Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com save. BetterHelp.com slash save. Got it. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. It's Monday with Mikey Heathmurf. We talking Raiders and football dirt. Because we are a new technically Raider talk show. We're having good times. Let's go. It's Super Bowl special time on Mondays with Mikey and Murph. I'm Mikey Raider Heathmurph with the fan cave. He dudes it every day. Representing the Raiders in a good way. That's what we're about. Being fun. We're being gay. It's not a bad term. It's a good term. It's Monday with Mike and Murph. And we are back. So let's do this. It's Monday with Mikey and Murph. All right, Murph, what's going on? We're not going to sing the whole theme song. We're just going to get it started. We are back on our monthly Super Bowl special. How you doing, Murph? What you been up to? Mikey, I'm doing fantastic. Glad to be back for uh, once again for another fantastic episode of Mondays with Mikey and Murph. It's a nice uh, reunion here, my friend. Post Super Bowl, post uh, uh, NFL season, we put the 2018 season in the books. And uh, so, what I've been up to, man, I've been uh, been running around uh, all over the place trying to cover this uh, this fabulous football team that we know as the Oakland Raiders or the San Francisco Raiders or the uh, Las Vegas Raiders or the uh, I don't know, just maybe it's just the Raiders. But either way, I uh, love covering this football team. And uh, so it's good to be back here and good to uh, to rejoin you, my friend, here uh, back in uh, on Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Murph is in Tennessee, but he has officially become like a Raiders reporter. He's meeting John Gruden. <laughs> he's meeting Mike Mayock. He's asking them the tough questions, or I hope he did. But uh, you can check it all out. All the adventures he's been going on, getting delving deep into the Raiders. You can all check it out on Murph's Fan Cave. All the links are below. He's also known as Raiders Fan Radio. They got a bunch of different podcasts that are Raider related. 
and they're just doing it big. Uh, I'm sorry if I did your shout out this this time. No, that's you did a great job. Yeah, uh, you know, most importantly, Mikey, we are uh, huge fans of this YouTube thing that you uh, kind of turned me on to, man. We were a, a podcast audio only network, and then after uh, uh, kind of enjoying what we do here on Mondays with Mikey and Murph, you encouraged me to reach out and do a little bit more of the live streaming thing. And so that's what we do now uh, on youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. That's M U R F S Fan Cave, just like it's spelled below. And please like and subscribe to, to our channel. Uh, we we have the audio versions of all of our shows and then once a week we do uh, Raiders Fan Radio Live. That's me and my Uncle Mosh. And actually just yesterday we did, this is really cool Raider Nation, you're going to like this. We did a Super Bowl show for the Raiders. You know, even though it's Super Bowl Sunday, we only talk about one team on Super Bowl Sunday and we went through the entire history of the Raiders in the Super Bowl. Most importantly, the trilogy, the three wins from 1976, 1980 and 1983 and went through and not only detailed the games but kind of went through some fun facts about the games. And so check that out. If you're a Raiders fan, I promise you you will dig it. youtube.com/murphsfancave. Yeah, I mean they do it big. They are the statistical uh, analytical uh, researchers. Uh, I'm kind of like just the the fun dude that just <laughs> you know runs around and talks out of my my um my my monkey hole. <laughs> that didn't even sound right. Uh, but you know you're doing it big. And somebody in the comments, I think it was just when Johnny said, "I'm the hardest man to give a free T-shirt to." No, I'm not. I just don't like to give out my address. And then uh, he, they said that your hat looks very edible yeah 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 there's my reese's uh yeah peanut butter cup hat yeah it was great man well i'll, t I'll save it till when we talk about the senior bowl but you want to talk about having reese's everywhere it was not the good time to be on a diet and when you decide to go down to the senior bowl there are bowls and buckets of reese's everywhere oh my god fat person's paradise i should have been there i should have been there murph did you bring me some reason? Did you literally stack them? I would have <laughs> poured them in bags. I would have sold them on street corners for like a dollar, like when I was a kid, and I sold candy bars for the man. You just need to come with me next year. That's it. Mosh and I are going down for sure next year. We're going back. And I know we're going to talk about Super Bowl plenty, but just I'll just extend this invite right now. You need to come with us. It was fantastic down there. Yeah, if you can get me out of the house before I'm literally stuck in the house. You can do it. That'll be an amazing feat. All right. Let's just get right into it. Um, Murph, I normally give my headline or my little tagline where I say, uh, time for the headlines, breadlines, deadlines, you know, rent. Uh, and rent had a Fox Live special this Sunday. Uh, $25 million they paid for promotions. It was called Rent Live, and it didn't even go live. Kind of let you down, didn't it? And you're a big fan. You're like a rent expert. And they kind of let you down with what happened, no? I mean, the guy broke his foot in the dress rehearsals in the taping of the night before. And you, I can't believe they didn't even have an understudy. I mean, literally, they could have had an understudy. It, it's Broadway. Fox blew it. So I don't even say I'm going to say that headline because I'm mad at them right now. So we're just going to do it. I wish I had the Adam Sandler uh, cue there from, uh, I think it's Billy Madison, where he goes, you blew it. You blew it. <laughs> so I'm not going to give him the pleasure of that famous headline. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I have to keep it the tradition going. It's time for the headlines, deadlines, redlines. Uh, we're not going to watch Rent. We're not going to watch it. 
F you, F you, Rent. Let's get it to the headlines. This is the Mondays with Mike and Murph Super Bowl special. We are going to delve into the Senior Bowl, the Pro Bowl, and the Stupid Bowl, the Boring Bowl. I don't know what what you want to call it, but the Patriots, the headline for the day for the show is the Patriots defeated the Rams 13-3 in Super Bowl lie, and Julian Edelman was named MVP. But we are a Raiders channel, and we are going to get into the Raider headlines, more importantly. All right. Here it is. <laughs> ESPN, Derek Carr, first take. Um, we all know what's going on. There's been a million videos made about it. Let's listen to the audio fight, and then we're going to get your opinion on this fight, if you will, or insecurities playing themselves out or publicity. I don't know. Okay. First half of the season, he looked shell-shocked. He looked like a quarterback who had quit. Plays off, you can see where a quarterback don't want it. You know, Carr didn't want it. Was that the entire That's clip? it, yeah. To me in my entire oh, life. There it goes. Um, but when you start talking about a man's character and want to and desire, you know, that's just a different story. And I don't think there's anybody holding the, these guys accountable when they go off on those kind of tangents. And uh, you know, that's something that I had a problem with. And I, never, I, I just don't think that that's all right. You are a quitter. You are a scared player who haven't been great in the past. But it's not going to stop me from saying what I think. That is my job. This man goes on Golick and Wingo this morning and brings up his kids and talks about how he's worried about his kids Googling and seeing something like that be a question. But look at his tweet because he's a grown man. He's a grown man. Let's read this tweet. How do I challenge a couple of these clowns on TV? All right. I will meet up with Derek Carr anytime, any day, anywhere to discuss what his career has been. Derek Carr, I would love to see you beat the shit out of Max Kellerman. Oh, boy. Okay. There's a five-second delay. I think there's still more Don't to the story. Don't sit up there and talk about somebody else as if, oh, my goodness, I'm above them. No, you got friends in high places. That's why your behind got the job that you got. No experience as an executive on any level in a National Football League where people, black, white, Hispanic, and every place else, starving for an opportunity, and you got it. Because one of your boys is the $100 million man for a franchise that's allergic to prosperity for the last 20 years. I mean, this fight, insecurity, whatever, took a turn, now went against Mike Mayock. Stephen A. Smith pulls the race card. Who do you have a problem with in this uh, story or drama, Murph? What's going on in your head? Uh, I got a problem with everybody. <laughs> I have a problem with all of them. Oh, then, hey, start it. Put the list down because yeah. I'm down to go. Yeah, I got, I got, well, since uh, he's on the picture here, we'll start from left to right. Uh, Derek Carr, uh, you cannot concern yourselves with the opinions of the sheep when you are the lion in the jungle, man. Or, you know what I mean? Like, you, what are you doing engaging with these types of, of, of I even hate to use the term journalist. Um, I've stayed a, a mile away from this story until now. And, and, and because, uh, uh, it's on our list and I'm going to re- respect the format. I'll, I'll address it. But this to me is the epitome of clickbait, um, hot takes, uh, this whole idea of making yourselves and inserting yourself into the story. He who is loudest tries to be right. Uh, it's just this, it's a silly notion. And unfortunately, this is what this type of reporting is what ESPN has devolved into. And uh, 
you know, and it's sad because it overshadows anything that they do, that they do well, you know, like, uh, whether it's a 30 for 30 or maybe uh, the Monday night countdown stuff with Charles Woodson and, and, uh, and Randy Moss and, and Sam Ponder and all that. Like, I like that show. And I think there are some good shows in there. Uh, but this kind of stuff, man, just completely overshadows anything that they do. And it just, it just becomes noise. Like listening to those clips, like to have Stephen A just go off and just, and so, all right. So I, I picked on Derek because he shouldn't have engaged. And then I'll go to Stephen A like th- they're just going further and further and further down this road where they're just becoming this it, caricatures of themselves. And it's just silly. It's just to me, like, it's not even entertaining at all it just becomes this this noise and uh whether that's kellerman uh, as well who is Stephen a's partner so he's the next up on this you know max kellerman it's funny if you think about journalists okay and he, and he and he refers to himself and says well i have to say this because it's my job here's how much stock i want you to put into these journalists okay these journalists they're not even fans they're just people that talk about sports for a living. Now, look, I'm not in the camp of, well, you had to play to have an educated opinion and all that. I'm not that kind of a guy. But to question someone's work ethic or approach or anything like that, when you haven't had those experiences, when you haven't you know, put on cleats or a pair of shoulder pads, whatever, how right can, how accurate can you be? I don't think you can be. You can't be any more accurate than me. You can't be any more accurate than you, Mikey. And you can't be any more accurate than somebody that's listening to our show or watching on the chat or whatever. Whatever it may be, that's how much stock. I want you to put more faith and more stock into your opinion, Raider Nation, into your opinion, sports fan, than you do into people like this. Because that's the bottom line. They don't know anything more than what you do. Their goal is attention. That is it. It is the end. Their goal is to get attention. So when Derek gave them attention, all he did was feed the beast. He just fed the beast. And so I, I, he's, to me, I don't want to say he's equal in this because he didn't ask for this. They brought it and put it on his doorstep. But he went out there, instead of just throwing the, the bag away, he's the one that stepped on the flaming bag of poo and made it into this whole big mess, right? Like, you, you don't do that. You got to ignore it. You got to move on from it, Derek. You don't see Tom Brady or, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. Or, you don't see people engaging with these types of fools. And so then what happened? So then after the, what did he do? They smelled blood in the water, Mikey. And that's when he went after Mike Mayock, right? They looked at for something else to dredge up, something else to tip because it, they're making it now about the Raiders. You see what I mean? And, it, and there's been a bias against the Raiders forever. And so they're making it about the Raiders because the, the whole idea of what Stephen A said is completely ridiculous. Where was he when John Lynch got hired? Did you hear him screaming about that? Did you hear him screaming about white privilege and and, 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 and entitlement and all that? Did you hear him screaming about any of that stuff? No. Why did he do it on the Raiders? Because that's what was going to get attention. You got to remember, the only reason these guys are doing what they're doing is to get your attention. So when you pay them attention, you feed the beast. I'm choosing to ignore these idiots, and I ignore this channel, frankly, from all intents and purposes other than Monday Night Football I don't watch ESPN anymore. They're not even in my my realm of influence nor or consumption anymore. It's it's ridiculous content at this point. It's a joke. Yep. Well, very well said, man. I really respect your opinion, and I I like that you held no bars. Um, and you're you're completely right. Their show is a clickbait show. It's a popular title show, which at times I can be on my channel as well. And can in I, our show, can I, I try to bring up the hot topics? Can I? And, and I'm sorry to jump in on you, Mikey, but I want to I want to address that portion of it though because I think this is important. You 
on what you do and other people, whoever you may be, that do that, that engage in that type of, of content, you say on the front end, this is just for fun. This is clickbaity stuff. This is just, I'm throwing out some wild ideas and I just, you know, to get attention. You, 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 you preface your cons, you, you, what you're doing with that. It's like a disclaimer. And I think that that's fair because it's almost, to me, it's like satire. You know what I mean? But that's not what these guys are doing. They're presenting themselves as news. They're presenting themselves as an authority on the topic. But that's not what they're doing. So, but I, so I, am I, you know, at times, and I hate to say this about myself, but I have a show called the Daily Raider News. So I'm going to be well-respected, but, you know, in those sorts, I think it's not clickbait if you talk about a subject that's in the title. We're trying to find the catchy headline. Everything can be stated many different ways, you know, so I don't really think it's clickbait. It's just what people don't want to hear. Well, they've created the news and that's the thing is that they've inserted themselves into the story. They've become the story. You're not making yourself the story. You may be coming up with these wild ideas and concepts and and things to consider, right? But you're not making, you're not inserting yourself as the narrative. That's the problem is that that first take and Stephen A and these guys, Max Kellerman made themselves the story. And that there's, look, they, Derek Carr said, I'll go be glad to go on and talk to these guys. And Stephen A says, I'll talk to him any place, anywhere, except that they wouldn't talk to him unless he came into the studio. That's why Derek Carr was on freaking Golic and Wingo because he didn't want to go into the studio. He wanted to call in. Well, they didn't want to have a call in on their show. So you see what I'm saying? They wanted to bring him in and engage him face to face in the studio on their turf so that they could be the story. That's not, you see what I'm saying? So it's, it's, y'all i mean i say y'all it's just this kind of thing I don't, we're gonna get to a point listen and, and this is a bigger bigger topic and i won't i won't get into it too heavily but we are going to get to a point in our country where this stuff completely blows up and we've got to because it doesn't matter if it's social media or first take or whatever people the way that they're interacting with each other in these in these forums are not the way we interact with each other in real life it's not it's, it's how often do you get in an argument with somebody politically or about Derek Carr's work ethic, whatever, into these arguments and shouting matches in real life? When you're in, when you're in the store, how often do you get into these? Or even in a bar? It's, it, these, these types of communications don't exist in real life. Eventually, this bubble is going to burst. I, I, it's bananas, Mikey. It's just yeah, crazy stuff. We're going into like some serious conversation what, yeah, over this, yeah. which is a great thing. But, you know, let's... Let, I'm going to dial it back and bring it back to the car situation right. and give my, my perspective on this. A lot of Raider fans online said good for Derek Carr for fighting back. Good for Derek Carr for trying to take his name back, take his pride back. Um, I could understand that, but albeit Derek Carr should know better. Like you said, this is a no win scenario. The spotlight will be on Derek Carr for responding. The spotlight now went from Derek Carr to Mike Mayock to John Gruden again. And now we're again laughing stocks to people that are not even Raider fans again. Because Stephen A, Max Kellerman, they pulled out, as you would like to do and you're probably going to do in this show, they pulled out facts and stats against Derek Carr. Made him look even worse to the general <laughs> public. So Derek Carr cannot win by responding. Exactly. But this 
This just proves their car's insecurities. I've talked about it on my channel many times before. There's no problem with having insecurities. We all have them. But Derek Carr, after five years of being with the Raiders and being called out in public and all this other stuff, I do not understand why the previous Raider teams or players are feeding into this drama. They're million-dollar athletes. Michael Crabtree fed into the drama, started the fight on the field. Donald Penn almost got into a fight with a fan over critique and commentary. And now Derek Carr, a church-going person, says he wants to commit violence on a reporter. I mean, what the heck is going on with today's athletes, today's world, if you in the broader spectrum? It's ridiculous. Derek Carr, you need to admit you're insecure and you fall victim sometimes and you feel the need to defend yourself. Derek Carr made a YouTube channel, I think about a year ago, after a game where he threw an interception to lose the game at the end, in the end zone, he went on YouTube and defended himself and said, y'all don't know football. This was the coverage. This is what I saw. Shut your mouth, Derek Carr. Who goes on YouTube to defend their play on the field? So I'm very upset at Derek Carr. And again, the same could be said for Stephen A and his faction pulling race cards. And again, but they are the joke of this story. Derek Carr is not. But Derek Carr made himself the joke. And it hurts my heart because I want him to be the best. I want him to win Super Bowls. And I think he's an amazing man. And Derek Carr, this is a big lesson learned. Don't do it again. Shut off the Twitter. You know, one th one more thing on that, Mikey, that you brought up, and I think it's important because I think that this is just kind of this kind of lays out where where my perspective is on from as far as taking these guys. And this is the kind of stuff that I would encourage you, Raider Nation, as a consumer of media, whether it's just this show or anything. Frankly, you know, when Mikey brought up that they use this, the stats and they use they use their quote stats to justify their position. Do you remember, Mikey, what those stats were off the top of your head? Um, he's the twenty seventh ranked quarterback right. of the league last year and what did now hold on now hold on i'll stop right there now what metric was it that they used do you remember because this is important do you remember what they used to us to say he was the 27th ranked yeah, quarterback no, they didn't they didn't stay all right yes they, they did let me tell you what it is oh, okay. they said his quarterback rating his qbr rating do you know what qbr rating is and i'm not setting you up i'm just i'm just illustrating a point do you know what qbr rating is I don't understand all it, that stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's a proprietary stat developed developed by who? ESPN. You don't see quarterback rating used anywhere else. You don't see them talk about quarterback rating on NFL Network. You don't see them talk about quarterback rating on any other of the, of the morning shows, in any talk show. Any, the only place you ever hear about QBR is on ESPN. So what did they do? They used their own proprietary developed in-house stat to justify their own narrative on one of their shows to what? To further this point they were trying to make. It's all just celebrating self. That's all this is. This has nothing to do with the news. This has nothing to do with the actuality of a situation. This has everything to do with self-freaking promotion. You can't even trust their stat because what's... Uh, let me ask you this, Raider Nation. What's in QBR? Anybody? 
Anybody want to tell me right now in the chat? I can't see the chat. Somebody on the chat right now without Googling I'm it. I'm watching it a little in bit. The Google, without Googling it, tell me right now what is involved in, in, in assembling the data that equates to a QBR rating via the ESPN system. Ready? Go. And I'll bet you nobody freaking knows. And this is what I'm talking about. They use this made-up dang number to say, oh, he was a 27th-ranked quarterback. So now somebody's going to go with that and say, Derek Carr is the 27th-ranked. No, it's BS. It's garbage. He's not ranked the 27th-ranked quarterback. In what? In your own thing you made up? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to start ranking uh, Mikey on uh, on quarterbacks on the amount of jelly beans I think they could eat. And I think Big Ben could eat more jelly beans than anybody else. So as of right now, Big Ben, you are the highest ranked quarterback in the league. You see what I mean? It's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Yeah, I love it. Murph, drop drop into the realism. I love it. I I got you. I got you. But, you know, my fight was with, you know, Derek Carr responding (laughs) again. And he should. He should. right. They, they they technically they can find anything to make a person look bad in stats or this or that. They can you can do that with any person in life. You can find something to make them look bad and then publicly display it on TV as they did, which goes to show the integrity of ESPN and First Take. You get it. This whole situation proves what they are. So now that we all know it. <coughs> Let's just move on. That's what they are. If you want to watch it for entertainment value, go ahead. That's all it is. But, you know, I'm, I was adding the more broader spectrum in terms of, you know, answering criticism and fighting back in better ways. So it's over with. I, uh, Derek Hart's playing video games now online. I think he's having a good time. So let's hope it's over with. <laughs> but that was I, pe- I picked the right day to wear the Oakland versus everybody shirt, by the way, I guess, huh? Because it is us versus the world, Mikey. It is everybody is against us, man. I swear to goodness, man. It is us versus the world. That's why I get so upset when everybody does stupid things. The spotlight is on us. We can't respond to anything. Even Gruden, when he makes these statements, it's like Gruden loves making the statements. He knows what he's doing. He's like, yeah, I'm going to say this. I'm going to rile everybody up. I'm going to say this and going to freak everybody out. Shut up, Gruden. Come on. Leave us alone for a little bit. Let's, you know, let's start winning on the field. All right, whatever. Let's move on. Uh, All right. Apparently, this is Bash Derek Carr Day, uh, but the storyline is a little interesting, so I thought we'd talk about it. Bill Romanowski, former Raider, uh, on a radio interview, I think it's KNBR 691, uh, stated that he doesn't believe – that Derek Carr is not the guy to lead the Raiders to a Super Bowl. So, um, do you have a problem with Romo sh- with what Romo said, knowing he's basically working for the Raiders? And do you think Derek Carr is the man? I just want some thoughts on that. Uh, yes, I do because I think that you know whether you listen to John Gruden or Mike Mayock or anybody else, they will tell you that uh, you know there are, uh, there are thirty two starting quarterbacks in the NFL or thirty two starting positions in the NFL, but there are not thirty two starting quarterbacks. But yet we still have one of them. Yes, do I think Derek Carr's perfect? No, I think he's a f- far cry from it. Uh, but we'll see what it look what he looks like when he gets uh, ingrained into a consistency with the system uh, and some and some additional pieces around him. Uh, so yes, I think that he that he's fine. Uh, and, and as far as Romo goes, in his opinion, 
I think you meant to say former Niner, former Bronco, because that's the way he talks. He is not a freaking Raider. This guy's everybody. This guy's as much of a Raider as Jerry Rice is a Raider. I don't. I don't I've not trusted Bill Romanowski. He's another guy that likes to get attention. He likes to put himself in the spotlight. He likes to make himself part of the story. I'm over this kind of type of reporting, man. It is. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I'll tell you what. Where were these chumps? Last week at the Senior Bowl, or two weeks ago at the Senior Bowl, where were all the Bay Area radio guys at the Senior Bowl? You want to know where? Where were they? Why, why couldn't they say this stuff to Mike Mayock's face, to John Gruden's face? Why were they not down there? You know how many Bay Area radio people were down at the Senior Bowl to go face-to-face with the Raiders organization, Mikey? You know how many of them? Guess. Uh, one? Zero. You, there were, you. Yeah, me. But I'm not Bay Area radio. There was one non-Raider associated show down there at the Senior Bowl this last week, and it was freaking me. It was Merce Fan Cave. It was Raiders Fan Raider. And I'm not saying that to celebrate me. I'm saying this to tell you this, Raider Nation. These people that are covering our team are not covering the team. The only people that are covering the team firsthand are people like Matt Schneidman, are people like that that are actually at the facility, Steve Corcoran, whatever. Those are the people that you could trust in this. This Even, even the freaking radio, man. You can't trust them they're not there they're they're chicken ass dude you can't say this they're the guy's face you got to take some pot shot on your radio show give me a break man it's all about ratings this is trash 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 all right uh so what year do you do you think uh we might be in a super bowl with Derek Carr? just to throw that out there what year do i think we're gonna make a super bowl Derek Carr, next year I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I love it. The positivity. I'm a Raiders fan, man. I think we're going to win the Super Bowl every year. You know, realistically, do I think that we're going to return to being competitive enough to play in a Super Bowl? I don't know. Probably not. The odds are certainly not in our favor. But by the time we get to Vegas, yes, and when they should. By the time you get to year three of the project with John Gruden, second year of Mike Mayock. Yeah, we should be good enough to compete. The you know other two of the other teams in our division are going to be down. The donkeys are dead for a long, long time. Philip Rivers is only going to be able to play for however long. It's going to be us and the Chiefs, and then also, frankly, Tom eventually is going to prove that he's a human being. Ben Roethlisberger is in the twilight of his career. So you look at the other perennial contenders in the AFC; they're going to start falling off. It's prime for us. It's prime for the Raiders to return to prominence, man. So you yes, are fired up, man. I am fired, man. I, I've been away for a while, man. <laughs> it's true it's true but, it's true it's know, like but i'm passionate about this stuff man. i love this freaking football team man just like you do and you know people want to call me a bootlicker an apologist or whatever you can call me anything you want the bottom line is this i'm a fan of this football team i love this football team i choose to focus on the on the positive things about our football team and i'm look like my mike mayock told us two weeks ago we had a lot of problems on our football team Derek carr ain't one of them you want to complain about the team i'm with you on a lot of different fronts not quarterback that's the least of our issue man what about our freaking pass rush what about our freaking offensive line what about you know what i mean what about our lack of interior linebacker no complain about something complain about that all right well i'm gonna disagree uh with you know your statement uh i think bill romanowski you know again in today's world i believe he has the right to say whatever's on his mind i don't think he intentionally went out there to create a story but he just said what his opinion was. So I have to respect that. That's just from my point of view. Because I state my opinion a lot. And it's not always right or correct with you. So I just thought that's what he did. And then I think the headline people made it a headline. They're looking for any words that they say to create a headline against the Raiders or Derek Carr. 
or whatever. So, but um, do, do I think Derek Carr's the guy that lead us to a Raiders Super Bowl? I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, with all the controversy, the speculation with Gruden, ver- I mean, with Gruden's relationship with Derek Carr, uh, with is he going to draft a quarterback? Derek Carr, the insecurities, fighting with people. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't know if he's going to become that Super Bowl franchise quarterback that leads us to a Super Bowl win. I want it to happen. Uh, I really do. Uh, but I'm I'm just being honest. I have some doubts and fears right now. And if Derek Carr is still a member of this team going past 2020, I say in 2022 we'll be in a Super Bowl, and that'll be a 20-year anniversary of the last time we were in a Super Bowl. And it seems like we live in the matrix and maybe everything happens again 20 years later. So 2022 is my time frame. But there it is. That's that story of Romanowski. And this is the big story that came across uh, yesterday. NFL rumors that the Raiders will play at Giants Oracle Park for the 2019 season. Another baseball stadium. Uh, The 49ers still apparently have the right of refusal in terms of something called territory rights and the NFL has to approve it. But Roger Goodell wants him in the Bay area. And I want you to state what you thought about this because you wrote it right on Twitter, Merv. This from Mark Davis is a what to the, to Oakland. It's turning your back literally on the city of Oakland. And you know, when it came down to it, Uh, I felt like they were going to play in one of three places because it just makes sense. The logistics only make sense for you to keep your home games in the Bay Area, you know, to travel to Southern California or to San Antonio or whatever, whatever it may be. It makes every game essentially a road game. So because they're going to keep their practice facility and their offices still in Alameda. So that left left it down to one of three places. You got Oracle, you you got uh, Oakland, and then you got uh, uh, Levi Stadium. Well, they weren't going to go to Levi Stadium because Mark Davis is adamant about the fact he doesn't want to be the little brother to the Niners. Uh, he's not going to want to play another season out in Oakland because we've essentially already had to send off the goodbye. And now with this lawsuit against him, he's not going to want to do them any favors by paying them uh, millions and millions of dollars in rent. So then that leaves us Oracle Park. And this was my leader in the clubhouse, no pun intended, uh, of where the Raiders were going to play because, yeah, literally it's turning your back on on Oakland. And I think that this would be a slam dunk if it wasn't for the fact that the Niners do have a vote in it. Uh, to, but I, I think ultimately this gets done because it's just a one-year thing. It's not like they're going to linger around uh, for a long period of time. But I think it's kind of funny, though, obviously, that the team uh, that's named the San Francisco 49ers plays in Santa Clara, which is nowhere near San Francisco, despite what they showed you on the national championship game when they, when they were projecting images of Coit Tower and the Golden Gate Bridge and all that stuff and, uh, while they were in Santa Clara. San Jose is no. I'm from there. I'm, I grew up five minutes from where they built this, that dang stadium. It's nowhere near San Francisco. So I think it's funny that the team from Oakland is going to play in San Francisco and the team from San Francisco plays in, in, in Santa Clara. But so, but that said, so uh, what do they call them? What are, are they going to be the Oakland Raiders? I mean, Raiders, hopefully. I think Raiders. that's my uh, Uncle Mosh, my co-host says they're going to be just the Raiders. Like you're not going to see Oakland anything. You're just going to hear them referred to as the Raiders, which is kind of cool. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I like this better. I or like this better. I I mean, no matter what, it, it's there's good and bad, pros and cons with no matter where they play. But Murph, if you're going to play in another baseball stadium, I'm just saying, if you're going to play in another baseball stadium, just, just just go back to Oakland. 
for one more year. Just again, yeah, I know not. I want them to rip the Band-Aid, move on, but what is Mark Davis doing? Like, literally, get out of there. Leave. If you're leaving and you're mad, leave. But now he's like, oh, let's just go across town. Let's yeah. also play in another baseball stadium. Yeah. Let's prove to Oakland nice ballpark. That we don't need them. Like it's a nice ballpark. I mean, going to a game and I've of course obviously only been to baseball games there, but going to to formerly AT&T Park, it's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful place to watch a game. Uh so there's they're saying it's gonna fill like forty thousand people. Well, guess what? That's I mean, what's a sellout now at ODOC you're not ODOCO, listen to me. What what's a sellout now at the Oakland Coliseum? Fifty six thousand? Like I mean, 40 grand, you're going to fill it up every single time? Why not, man? I mean, look, see, here's the thing on this kind of stuff. Here's why I come out ultimately. I don't think there's a wrong way to look at this because I don't think there's a good answer and a bad answer. I think sometimes in life and in sports and in whatever else, sometimes you just got to pick a lane. Sometimes there's not like, like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Let's do this. Sometimes you got to be like, well, this one kind of sucks and this one kind of sucks, but this one kind of sucks different. So we'll just go with that. Like, that's what this is. So there's not, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, whatever. We're, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, two years from now, they're going to be in damn Las Vegas and we're not going to care about any of this anyways. Right. You agree. I, I just think it's ridiculous. I just, I just want it to end. I just, yeah. Oh, now they're kind of close. They're still going to talk about this. I just, if it's going to end, let it end or be there for one more darn year. And I don't know. It, well, and that would and see, and that's the the thing is that obviously that's the direction it was headed until stupid Oakland brought up this lawsuit, man. Like, I mean, you know, and if there's any fault, if there's any fingers to point at, it's the damn politicians. Go figure that. Let a politician screw something up. Like that's who screwed this whole thing up is the freaking politicians in in uh, in Oakland. And look, you know, I feel so bad for the Oakland fan. I it's it. And, and, you know, look, I, I grew up again in the Bay Area, not in Oakland itself, but for the people of Oakland, for the Oakland fans that live there and then have to deal with the political garbage that led to all this, dude, that sucks. Like, there's, I, I mean, it sucks bad enough as somebody on the outside. I can't imagine what it's like for those people it's to like be a, there. It's like a hotel. It's, just, it's, like, it's like you're moving, you know, you're moving from one town to the next and you got to pack up all your stuff. So you... You know, you go to a hotel for a week or two, you know, before the yeah, initial move. Yeah, yeah, While you're waiting we're to close going, on your new place. To, we're going to the motel. It's a nice, fancy motel. It's going to look pretty. <laughs> I think it's got a lake outside. It's got, you know, I think, like, baseball sometimes fall in the water. They got people in canoes. It's, it's the nice ocean. Hotel. It's the ocean, Mikey. It's the Pacific Ocean that's I, out there, I don't man. know nothing about land. Oh, it's, all right. It's, listen, I've been to, again, uh, a handful of baseball games there. It's including just a couple years ago. It's gorgeous, man. It's gorgeous. You're looking out over the bed. We sat in that second deck right there. But on the on the side that this actual picture is facing, just up a little higher from there, you look out over the bay and all the ships are out there. And all, it's just... It's stunning, man. It's going to be great. I, I, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's, it's cool. I mean, I hate that it's in San Francisco because San Francisco is kind of a rival. You know what I mean? Like being an A's and Warriors and Raiders fan. I don't, you know what I mean? I, I don't mind the Giants, but I don't definitely don't like the Niners. Right. So the idea of like being in San Francisco, I don't know. There's a little bit of a rub there, but here's the other thing too. One last thing. The Raiders have a history of doing this. Look in your history books, Raider Nation. We played at Keysar Stadium in San Francisco. We played at Candlestick in San Francisco. We have a history of playing temporary stadiums in San Francisco. So there's actually historical precedent twice 
for us to, for this to happen. So again, much ado about nothing. It's all going to be about Vegas, which is what two years from now. So let's let's uh, let's just focus on that. Yep. Well, there it is. Uh, but if it is a hotel, you know, per my description, I hope they got ice cubes <laughs> that are free, and I hope I can find Christy Brinkley in the pool in the middle of the night <laughs> while my wife is asleep. And I can play the Vegas vacation or the National Lampoon song, Holiday Row. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Oh, I was going to clap along while you're singing. I've heard that before, man. I, I can get down with a little Lindsey Buckingham. It's just a funny movie. If we're in a hotel, that's what I want to happen. Vacation, uh, original vacation, man. It's one of the best. And Rusty will sneak out and have a beer. Uh, the Raiders <laughs> have made their choice. The 49ers in the NFL have to approve this for it to be final. And that has not happened yet. No. So that's the official. It's not final, according to Ian Rappaport, but it's final. So it's fun. So it's funny that uh, the the Giants blocked the A's from moving to the South Bay from going to San Jose because they were going to go build a new ballpark down there, Cisco Field. So the 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 Giants blocked the A's from moving out of Oakland. Now wouldn't it be funny if the That's Niners blocked the freaking Raiders from mm-hmm. moving out of Oakland, even though they're be coming across the street to their place? But still, the fact that another San Francisco based franchise is uh is is could could potentially be responsible for it. Very very interesting. Yeah, it's pissing me off. I mean, we had the coin <laughs> toss versus the 49ers. We lost. Right. Then we had to play them that next. They took the player we wanted. Then we had to play them that next season. They whooped our butt. Now they're ahead of us again in the draft. Now they have the chance to block us. Knowing that rivalry, I, I would block us. <laughs> Why not? It doesn't hurt us. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? Nobody knows. All right. Um, trying to see my story on this one. Gruden states that he likes Kyler Murray. Uh, should he explore a quarterback in the 2019 draft from your perspective? Uh, yes, but it's not going to be Kyler Murray uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, mainly the kids un- non-committal to whether he's even going to play football or not. And awkwardly non-committal at that. If you heard his, uh, I won't even say his comments on Dan Patrick because he wouldn't even comment. He just sat there in stunned silence in one of the more awkward interviews that came out Do of Super Bowl. Do you like the week. color of football, Kyler? Can I answer? He asked me if I like the color of a football. You said no football questions, no f- football answers. I don't. That was weird, man. That was weird. But yeah, so uh, no, so I don't don't think that. So yeah, the, the idea of is it makes sense? Sure. Uh, you know, obviously in, in in latter rounds, do you grab somebody who is a project, a la like what they did with Connor Cook? Well, that one didn't work out clearly. Um, but there's precedent for teams to do this, and it makes sense um, for a couple of different reasons. Number one is that it's the NFL has proved you need to have a solid backup. Look at just look at Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? Like it, it's you need to have a, a good backup quarterback to win a lot of times in the league. You look at what the, what happened with the Titans, right? When Marcus Mariota went out, uh, they were in, in big. Who did they? Uh, I remember it was a Blaine Gabbert, right? Was there back like yeah. they lost because Marcus Mariota was out because they didn't have a good backup quarterback. So the idea to draft one and then develop him. Yeah, I think it makes good sense from that aspect to protect your competitive capabilities on the field, but also to generate draft equity. It makes sense. So you look at what the Patriots did with Garoppolo. Uh, they drafted him in the, I don't remember what round, and I know they traded him for a second round pick, although they were chasing a first there for a while. But point being is that they elevated 
they they traded up, right? They 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 bought in at one price and sold out at a higher price. So there is lots of precedent for that to happen in the league. So it, would it make sense for the Raiders to draft a kid in the fourth round and try to coach him up to then sell him off later? Uh, yes, absolutely. But again, it's not going to be Kyler Murray. That's not the player that they do it with. And the last thing I'll say is this: um, in relation to his comments about Kyler Murray. His comments in context, it was about the overall height of quarterbacks. Basically, he was talking about that he needs to reevaluate the way that he evaluates quarterbacks because he always had these size and, and, and uh, metrics uh, on quarterbacks. But when he looks at players like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, yada, 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 they're proving that, it, that height really it doesn't make as much uh, of a make or break on a player as maybe what had been thought of in the past. And that's all he was referring to. So his comments had nothing to do with Kyler in particular, but, and then actually I said one last thing. I'm going to, I lied one more thing, Mikey. The other thing about it too, is that you got to remember this Raider nation. This is a really key point. So tune in with me on this. The Raiders from this point until April 25th are playing poker. Okay. The draft is a big giant poker game between 32 and, uh, entities okay they're gonna not turn their hand over and let you know what their intentions are until they turn in that pick so if there's teams interested in moving up if there's teams interested in trading if there's te- they want to leave themselves open for all that you don't ever want to tell what your position is and is it possible that you could even make misleading comments that might you might be not as definitive in what your intentions are in order to get people thinking yes absolutely so every year this happens with every team that all this stuff comes out and that's why things change so much so fast you know what i mean not only on combine day but on draft day things are going to change rapidly and that's why because the raiders aren't going to tell you what they're going to do so they're going to keep you thinking because they're going to want to keep everybody else thinking that this is even in the realm of possibility that they might pull a quarterback at the four spot. Correct. I mean, he's the queen pawn or whatever you want to say in the chess game right now. The media is watching him. So Gruden, why not use him as a pawn or a queen or or whatever? You know, use him to affect draft status, to make teams think you're going to get him. Maybe all this Derek Carr news reporting about him being bad, being replaced, is all a part of that chess poker game. Maybe Gruden works with ESPN and says, hey, talk about Derek Carr. You know, Stephen A. Smith, I'll send you, you know, a burger or something. You know, Max Kellerman, I'll hook you up. Talk bad about Carr so we can create this controversy. I don't know. Maybe Gruden is the chess master. I don't know. Maybe he should be in China if he's the chess master. I don't know. I'm just saying. But uh, Gruden, I totally agree with that statement. Uh, But do I think that they should explore a quarterback in this year's draft? Yes, I do. I mean, we need a young quarterback. It's kind of like the Patriot system. They draft a quarterback every few years, regardless, even knowing they have Tom Brady. You know, they draft it for the hopes of maybe selling them off or whatever the fact is. And I think the Raiders should explore it. But here's what I wanted to ask you, because this is interesting to me. If the Raiders and Gruden did take a quarterback, knowing all the media coverage that will go against Derek Carr, especially if Gruden drafts him within the top five rounds, let's say, that's going to add a lot more pressure to Derek Carr, which can he handle it? We're going to find out. But still, 
what do you think that would do to Derek Carr's mental? I don't think it would do anything. I don't think it does anything different than when they drafted Connor Cook or when they signed A.J. McCarron or, you know what I mean? Or I don't think it means anything. I think that he... But now, again, everybody's against him proving stats, saying he's had bad years. It's it's a little different right now. But see, whose opinion in all this matters? No, I'm just asking the question. I I know, and I'm answering it fairly. So you're asking about what? how does Derek Carr react? Well, Derek Carr, aside from getting hooked by these morons on ESPN... All he cares about are two people's opinion, John Gruden and Mike Mayock. And both of those guys have been very vocal and open about their support of their quarterback. So what is Derek Carr afraid of? He ain't afraid of nothing. No. I'm just afraid the media attention will get real bad again. And it, we're going to no, have another he, debacle. No, no, no. I, I, I don't, he ain't, he's not, if the Raiders draft a quarterback, he's not sweating. Now, if they draft Drew Locke at number four, that's a different story. All right, you draft a guy like that who is, could have been a, a, a high first-round pick last year, right, and then came out and, and by no argument was the best player at the Senior Bowl this year in terms of quarterbacks go, that's a different story. Now, does that what message does that send Derek Carr? That's a whole other story, and you'll hear me back up entirely and have a completely different take on this on the next time we do this show should the Raiders do something like that. It's going to be a fun draft. It's right. going to be a fun now that's draft. Now, that's a complete – but that's not what's going to happen. Now, again, it would shock literally everybody and set them back, arguably, a considerable distance should they do that because, again, there's much much more glaring needs than, than freaking quarterback. We need a freaking pass rusher for crying out loud. All I know is, man, ever since Gruden joined the team, this has gotten very entertaining and weird everything. So, I don't know. We're, we're having fun, but it's good for our talk shows. It literally is. Even though you get upset, Murph, it's trash stories or whatever. We're talking and having a good time. Yeah, man. Like, and that's what we do, you know? So this is what it's about. Uh, play this clip, and then it's just the funniest clip to me. This for a second, because you know what the perception is. You know what's out there. Everyone yeah. talks about the Gruden contract. He's yeah. running the show. It, it, how did those conversations go from what you can tell us, from what you can say publicly you know, how much of this is you? How much of this is Gruden? How much of this partnership in terms of reporting to Mr. Davis? I mean, it's an easy one. In all honesty, John's got final say if it ever comes to that. And I have zero problems with that. Now, having said that, I think we're going to come to a consensus. And it, it, I like a little yelling, a little screaming, a little fighting for what, what players you believe in. But at the end of the day, I guarantee you, John Gruden are gonna, and I are going to know what a Raider looks like and smells like. I don't think we're going to have any issues. There it is. Uh, I just thought it was a funny statement because every Raider Nation knows John Gruden has final say. But the media and the fans are like, oh, who's running the show? We all know. Uh, do you foresee any problems? No, heck no. No, I don't see any problems at all. I think that these two guys both have a clear understanding of what their roles are in the organization. And I think this stuff was long thought out. See, this is the good thing about you having somebody like Gruden and then him bringing in his own guy. There are no question who's in charge. There are no question. There is none of these, you know, oh, these are your scouts. These are my scouts. This is your take. This is my take that. No, like there's no mistake who the boss is. There is no mistake in what the pecking order is. The and boss so, is Tony Danza. We have all known that. <laughs> but no, so I, I don't know. I think this is completely healthy. I think these guys' working relationship is going to be completely healthy. And, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, I keep, keep, keep bringing it up. But when you see it, the senior bowl, when you see the way that they're interacting and, and, and speaking with each other openly, there's, there's no, there, there, there is no more dysfunction left 
in the Raiders organization, which is a weird thing because we were the most dysfunctional front office for a long, long time. For those of you that are old enough to remember what Al's days were like towards the end in the last, I don't know, what, seven years? And, and it was dysfunctional long before that, but it, it started really impacting our play on the field uh, about the mid-2000s. And my gosh, man, you know, to not have any of that be any part of the equation at all, that you have a harmonious working relationship and people in the front office and, and, and Alameda, like, wow, okay, cool, you know? I mean, I'm a half glass empty type person. So do I foresee problems? Of course I do. Of course you do. But, may, but maybe three years down the line, you know, after the players have been agreed upon by Gruden, I just fear, and I don't think Mayock is this type of person, but let's say Mayock, you know, gives five recommendations with a top number one recommendation for a player for that specific round. And then John Gruden's like, nope. Nope, I like this dude. This the dude I've been looking at. I don't care about. Yeah, he ain't gonna say this, but I don't care about your work. You know, I'm going with my guy. This, this, this is my guy. And then three years down the line, that guy is a not a good player, maybe out of the league. And then Mike Mayock maybe holds. And then the other player that Mike Mayock was telling Gruden to pick, maybe he's an All Pro three years in, whatever. Changed the franchise. I don't know, but like, would he fester? that type of opinion and throw it back at Gruden if they're losing four seasons past. It's, you know, it's a little scary scenario, but Hey, it's a scenario that, you know, nobody yeah, but that's going to happen. And that's going to happen regardless of the organization, frankly, sports or non-sports. I mean, if you start getting that, that far into the relationship and the, and the working relationship and things aren't working, look, and, and <laughs> you're going to hear me singing a completely different tune. And this is something that, you know, despite how much I can, I, I, I do try to remain positive and I do try to look for the good in things. If we're still four and 12, three years from now, or even two years from now, you're going to get a completely different tune <laughs> at old Murph, man. I promise you, look, I am not, you know, the, the apologist in terms of the record over long periods. Of time. What I am willing is to be patient. And when we're talking about infusing a completely new system and new players and a new really organizational structure, like we still, if you think about this Raider nation, think about it like this. I mentioned we were all dysfunctional and all that stuff with, with Al, but at least we were consistent back then as far as our hierarchy and the way that the thing was ran and all that they're still settling into how this thing is going to even work you know what i mean we still don't even have a consistent place to play yet like it's you know it's almost i feel like it was like been a 10-year process since al passed away like it's we're still working through all the i mean you think about all the different machinations we're still trying to work through man like this is a big long-term process. And this is what, what my uncle Mosh is, has always said is that this was not just a rebuild or a reset or whatever you want to call it. This wasn't just that of the personnel. This was an entire organizational reset, an entire organizational restructuring, including their darn facility where they're going to play football at. So when we see this thing two, three years from now, what does it look like then? That's when you make your determination. That's when you can really open up the can of, of, of whoop-ass on your opinion and, and, and lay the Raiders out because they'll deserve it at that point, I guess is what I'm saying. At this point, what have they really done to deserve it? Well, they're just trying to make changes, so we'll see if those changes work or not. That'll be a fun Mondays with Mike and Murph three <laughs> years from now if they're still two and 16 or whatever the records could be. That's going to be a fun Mondays with Mike and Murph. All right. Um, 
Well, this has been answered. I don't know. I had this story up before the San Francisco story broke, but I was like, I don't want the Raiders to go back to Oakland. Uh, but I didn't know your feelings on it. You said you think you wanted them to go back, but they're not going to. So you know what the truth is? This is your story that we don't need to talk about. But, you know, for, for publicity, I'm going to talk about this story. Um, Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell, what are the odds each one of them becomes a Raider? Uh, less than 1% chance on both of them. I think wow. that, that the Raiders have done a good job of – uh, separating themselves from egoed players. Uh, we played a clip on our show this last week about a, a speech that John gave at a leadership conference. Uh, John Gruden gave at a leadership conference after the senior bowl practices. And he was making a joke, but basically he said, you know, uh, you try to bring these guys along. You try to, uh, even the, the quiet ego guys, you try to, you know, help them kind of find their place. And then if you can't do that, then you trade them to Dallas. So those were his words. So, I mean, uh, you know, they've, they've just spent this time getting rid of Bruce Irvin and, and Michael Crabtree. And, you know, and I wouldn't put Khalil Mack in that camp of being an ego guy necessarily, although his agent is, but Cooper and whatever. So you separate from the, well, you're not going to then populate your roster back with these two guys. Now, granted, they're brilliant players and they're amazing football players, but uh, not you're not going to do that because of the egos. And then, and then frankly, they're going to carry such a huge price tag. Look at Le'Veon Bell as a, for instance, they're talking $17 million a year, $45 million guaranteed. That's way more than you're going to, you know, if you're going to spend that kind of money, you might as well have just signed Khalil Mack, right? Like they're, they're not going to do that to, to get him. And then the other thing too, Mikey, when we look at the, the amount of running backs that are available in free agency, there's some pretty interesting names on there. So should you bring back Marshawn and, uh, you know, look, it's Marshawn, Chris Warren, the third, who we're going to talk about in a little bit and Doug Martin, Right now, that doesn't seem like all that bad of a backfield to me. Um, but if you did want to put somebody else in there, maybe to take the place of a Jalen Richard, you got Ty Montgomery, who's out there, who's only 26 years old and can catch the ball out of the backfield. Same thing could be said for TJ Yeldon, who's only 25 years old. Jay Ajayi is only 25 years old. Granny's coming off an injury, but if he doesn't need to be the focal back, if he's going to be someone you're just going to bring in on third downs and help catch passes, then, then great there. Plus, he's a, 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 a tackle-breaking machine. You got Spencer Ware is only 27 years old. He's going to be out there. And then you got Mark Ingram. Now, Mark Ingram is going to be uh, 30 years old here in the not too distant future. So he's kind of, uh, I think, replicating maybe what you already have in Doug Martin. But the point being is that all those guys I just named are not going to cost you anywhere near $17 million. And you can use that money then instead to go get CJ Mosley or go get somebody uh, like Landon Collins or somebody on defense that can help out. If you're going to blow out the bank on any player, the Raiders aren't going to do it offensively. They're going to do it defensively. So I think that's why there's a less than 1% chance you see either one of these guys in silver and black. Yeah, I, I think you, you know, you brought up a very great point. 1% was your answer for both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Um, with the addition of Mike Mayock wanting to draft quality young players, albeit they won't admit it, but cheap players as well. I don't foresee it happening in any aspect. But if I had to throw out a number, which is per the question, I would say for um, Le'Veon Bell, running backs are hard to find. Gruden loves him from running backs. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is a game changer when he wants to be. There is issues. Will he fight against the team for more money? You know, all that other stuff that goes on. 
I give it a 40% chance, only 40% that Le'Veon Bell is a Raider. I believe he wants to play in Miami. He's spending time out there. You know, he wants to date the girls or whatever. I think he loves Miami. But I give it a 40% chance because I could see a scenario where a running back would be coveted by Gruden with that much value. But it ain't going to happen. But I give it 40%. Now, Antonio Brown. There's rumors that he wants to play in San Francisco. He's asking about San Francisco. Uh, somebody from San Francisco is talking to his agent because he's trying to get information about San Francisco. And I don't know if that's the 49ers or now the San Francisco <laughs> Raiders. So, yeah, I don't know. We all know that Derek Carr needs a weapon. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. We got draft capital, Pittsburgh. $21 million. Maybe that's the free agent signing that we get. I do not know. But I give it 51% because of the San Francisco talk. But it ain't going to happen, and I don't want it to happen, and I don't care. And we're going to move on until I make another popular video about that subject. <laughs> with, with the title, Le'Veon Bell, a Raider? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Antonio Brown coming with Gruden to build a championship? Or something like that. All right. Oh, God, this is hilarious. Many of you have seen the press conference from Adam Gase uh, becoming the head coach of the New York Jets. Uh, there was problems while he was the Miami Dolphins head coach with drugs in yeah. the staff and in his regime with multiple people and on television as well. Uh, Adam Gase then took the podium to do the press conference for the Jets. And I... Um, I'm like afraid to say something that's not fact. Uh, but he appeared from my perspective to be very excited. And he appeared to be very animated and looking at ghosts that were not present at that meeting. So a lot of people said he might be on drugs or this or that, or, but the point is it made me think should head coaches during the season be tested for drugs a la the players. I think it's pretty funny. So the, my favorite one was the, the whoever put the flying tacos. That, that was, was uh, Shalif Perkins oh, from Four Dub. I want to give him credit. So good. That was very, very funny. That was my favorite one of all the, the Adam Gase ones that came out. Um, to answer your question, I don't – sure – uh, should they be tested just because any corporate job uh, you are subject to random drug testing, uh, especially when there's cause. So if they have any suspicion of you because of an accident, maybe like if, in my job, if you get into a car accident, you're automatically tested on the spot. Like there's no question. Um, but if they, if they suspect, you know, odd behavior, whatever, you're always, you sign your life away that when you work for a big company that you can be, you are subject to drug testing at any point. So being that the NFL is a privately owned corporation, should those employees be subject to that? Sure. Why not? I mean, you know, but as far as the same level as the players, the answer to that is no. And here's why is that the players are tested. Let's not kid ourselves here. The reason that there's drug testing in the NFL is to prevent or attempt to prevent against performance enhancers because they want to maintain the integrity of the, of the I mean, Coke could be a performance enhancer. 
for his brain. I mean, come on, yeah, you know, let's just get probably right. a detractor more than anything. If you got a, a significant uh, addiction, then it's going to impede your performance, not accelerate it. So, but th- that, that's the reason that the players are in reference to the players. That's why they're tested is that they, they the NFL is trying to maintain that integrity of that on the field product. They're defending the shield essentially is what they're doing by testing. And this has nothing to do with anything else. So, you know, I don't think that you need to, to test the, the, the coaches in that aspect with the regulation and with the but yeah if somebody does start doing something weird should they be subject to it absolutely why not because that's the way real life is in normal jobs in normal big companies well that's all the nfl is just one big giant company Uh, yeah i think i know they get tested like i get tested like before a job sometimes um i didn't know about the randomness maybe that's there but they i don't think regular companies really do that unless you know they're literally watching you, and then they're like, I think we need to test him. Uh, so yeah, if but your I behavior gets erratic and you stop showing up for work or whatever, like, yeah, they can test you, and they don't, and you have to do it, or they just fire you. So, can yeah, the NFL cool. do that? Sure, why not? Yeah, I think that, but I think the NFL should do it as much as the players. I really do. I would love to see a head coach walk in the locker room to the, you know, the billboard or whatever they write on, and then have a note the piss man is coming. Piss man is coming. And then all the players are like, damn, they got you, coach. They got you, coach. You know, and then Adam Gates will be freaking out. He'll be like, oh, man. You know, then he'll he'll go on a run. He'll get in his car, you know. Like, I don't forgot who that wide receiver was that got in his car, you know, all coked up and drove and the NFL chased him. He got caught. I don't know. There might have been a body in the car. I don't, I don't know, but yes, this, this would be a very interesting thing. And it would make the players feel that it's not only against us. I don't know. I think it would be really good. And I'm just going to ask this question. You don't have to answer it. I don't like talking about this stuff because I, I hate all of this. Uh-huh. But uh, do you think Adam Gage was literally drugged up? Well, I don't know, but I'll say this. Um, and being someone that's been around enough uh, drug addicts in my life, uh, I've never seen anybody uh, not on drugs act like that. <laughs> I've never seen somebody that's not wired up on something uh, and some form of speed, reg- whatever kind of speed you want to call it. That is kind of what it looks like. So, d- yeah, I mean, there's does it alarm? Is it? No, well, I don't care. It's not. It's not a raider. But is it? Does it raise suspicion? Especially like you said connected with his old coach that was like like how big of a dummy do you have to be to video yourself snorting coke off of a off of the freaking uh bathroom what was it off the counter whatever it was like like, wow that was dumb let alone i'm sorry that you know i hope that guy found help and i hope he found recovery but you got to be really dumb to do something like that well so i mean that was one of his guys right so I don't know, man. It, it's weird. It's weird. It's really freaking weird. I'll say that. Congratulations, Adam Gates. You're going to be the new New York Jets head coach. You got a press conference tomorrow. What? <laughs> really? Oh, man. I got to stay awake. This story's making my nose itch just, just talking stay, about it. I got to stay awake. And then right before the press conference, ladies and gentlemen, we are the New York Jets. We are proud to announce. Hold on a second. <laughs> Welcome, Adam Gates. And then he's thinking in his brain, I'm going to tear this oh! up. I'm tear it up. I'm going to tear it up. That's right. I am the head coach. I am the man. 
I'm gonna get this. Now we gonna we gonna win out here in New York. You press reporters in New York. I know you're big. You ain't gonna get me. I don't know. I just yes, he was he was 100 percent from my perspective on some something. Maybe it was Benadryl, but it was a lot of Benadryl. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, Chris Warren. This report came out from the Raiders beat. I don't know whether to believe it or not, but according to them, our preseason standout running back, Chris Warren III, is reportedly up to 270 pounds. So is this good? Is this bad? Does Gruden want him to build fat, then muscle? I don't know your perspective of this story. Should running backs be that big? I don't know. Well, he's not going to play at 270. And when you're talking about guys that are this size and this amount of muscle mass, 20 pounds coming off of an injury where you can't work out, you can't do the things that you normally would do, it does, it's not surprising that he would get up to 270. You're, I mean, you're talking about a guy that can play at like 253. So really, how overweight is he? 17 pounds? That thing will, 17 pounds will melt off of a guy like this in a period of weeks. I mean, like, and I mean like, uh, like two weeks, like, like short periods of time that this will come off of the guy. You got to think of it like he's like a Derrick Henry type guy, like 6'3", 250. Like that's the kind of player he is. So to be at 270, it's not like, holy crap, he should be at like 225 or something. You know what Did, I mean? Do you know if he played at 250? Yeah, uh, he was in 253. The he was 253. Yeah, very specifically, I remember that. So yeah, I, the, the extra handful of pounds for somebody coming off an injury and can't work out the way that he is used to and accustomed to i don't think that's a big of a deal now if he's 270 week one different conversation right that's a whole different conversation but we're talking about pre-camp a guy hasn't he really hasn't done much of anything frankly since the preseason like that was a long time ago and he's got a long time from now before he needs to be in camp so i don't know i don't know enough about his workout regimen as far as like the terms of his recovery from the injury and the surgery like what he's able to do and not do and whatever but i don't think this is a case of him being lazy this isn't jamarcus ballooning up this is post-injury type thing and this stuff will come off of him by the time he gets into i still don't know his injury and i don't from my recollection i don't remember him saying i think he wrote on twitter i don't need surgery everything's fine so i don't even yeah, know his injury i don't know yeah but did he have surgery i, yeah. I don't know the injury yeah that was I all, mean, all you know. yeah that was what the report was was that he had knee surgery and that's why they put him on ir yeah now you could now you it's debatable whether they they did that uh as an abundance of of caution or if they did it strategically oh, good i just don't understand it man Okay, so I don't know if they did this at an abundance of caution or if this was a case of where, all right, they they already had enough running backs. Uh, They knew they were going to need him eventually but didn't want to take a chance of releasing him and letting him go somewhere else, so they put him on IR. You know what I mean? And and again, and just, you know, maybe he had this procedure done. I I don't know what the strategy was behind all of it, but he's going to be in play. I mean, there's no doubt he's going to be in play, and he'll be fine weight-wise. I'm not, again, I'm not not worried about Not for somebody this big. If this is already, if this is a again if a 220 pound running back then an extra 50 pounds that's a different conversation than an extra 17 on a guy that carried 253 in the preseason yeah i don't understand the story i didn't understand the injury but you know i guess it's all cleared up now but it's all good i want a lot of good stuff from him but i don't think um running back should be even 250 uh i again i'm just thinking from myself i think 
I don't know, Dude. maybe 230, 225. Like, that would be my breaking point in terms of weight but they're, for running back. But these guys are big. You got to remember that. This is not a this is not a guy that's 5'10". This is not a guy that's even 5'9". This guy's 6'3". Like, think about, again, think about Derrick Henry. Think about Christian Okoye. Think about big backs. Like, that's what he is. He's not a, this is not a little or, you know, this is not, I don't know, you pick him. Like, uh, uh, who did we see last night? Sony Michelle, right? That's not that kind of a running back. You're talking about a guy that's like, four or five inches taller than he is like this is a big dude no you, you you brought up a very very good point like he he might be a really good presence in that backfield in this upcoming season if marshawn or whoever else is not really there i'm really looking forward to that but if he's if he's 270 i say he needs to go up to 285 because that's where <laughs> i'm at and then maybe maybe me and him could hang out or i could be a fullback running back whatever why not, dude? Come over. We'll have some bacon. It'll be. We'll eat those bacon plates that I saw on TV. Did you see the bacon plate? <laughs> no. Something called. It's a plate made of bacon where you put your food on it. Oh my gosh. I want it. It's a bacon plate. Everybody loves bacon. Oh God, this is gonna kill me. Walt Coleman, the official referee in the Tuck Rule game that started the Raiders dynasty and pulled that rule out of. 9 million pages from 50 years earlier. I don't know what happened, but he's going to retire. And apparently he's retiring after he did the pro bowl. And ever since that tuck rule game, he never officiated another Raiders game. So if that doesn't see guilt, I don't know what does. I don't If that doesn't make him guilty, I don't know what does. What are your thoughts on Walt Coleman? retiring good riddance simple answer you know good riddance i i don't carry the venom that a lot of members of and i don't blame raider nation for this but i don't carry the venom for tom brady and the patriots that uh that that some folks do all my venom is in that guy like that that's the guy that screwed us you want to be mad at somebody raider nation that's the guy that misinterpreted the rule that's the guy that according to charles woodson had two plus two equal five not four like, there was a clear-cut play that he overturned. That's the other thing, too. This thing wasn't called wrong on the field. It was called correctly, and he went and looked at it and overturned it. This is the guy. This is the guy that all your venom, all your hate, all your anger, all that stuff needs to go to this guy, not the freaking Patriots. The Patriots were just there. This is the guy that made it happen. So this, uh, I, good riddance. Goodbye. Won't miss you a bit. Now, if you want to go into conspiracies, look at that picture. That's another Super Bowl championship that he's announcing. Possibly, maybe even a playoff game. And he looks a little bit like the owner of the Patriots. I'm just saying. Maybe they need to do a cloning test. All right, let's move on. This is the big issue of the week. Uh, a lot of people believe that Tom Flores was snubbed again 20 to 21 years straight from being in the Hall of Fame. He has been to a Super Bowl four times, according to the stats, and he's won it twice as a head coach. And he actually won once as an assistant head coach. So basically he's a three-time uh, Super Bowl winning champion, and he is a minority. So this is going to get a lot of case in the media, especially with fans. And Murph – um, you were outspoken on uh, Tom Flores a while back, and let me know your thoughts. Do you think he was snubbed or deservingly of the Hall of Fame? 
that's okay. So there's interesting, and I'm not trying to weasel out of an answer because I'm going to give you a straight one. You know, I would only ever do that. And I'm not shy of my opinion on the topic, but I'll say this. There's two different kind of things there. Do I think he's deserving? Yes. Uh, so do I think he was, he was snubbed? Yes. Uh, but do I understand why the answer to that question is also yes. So being a diehard Oakland Raider fan and being a fan of this man and his, and his, uh, you know, history with our team and what he has done as a coach, I'm absolutely a fan of Tom Flores and, you know, I would be starstruck if I were to ever meet him and, and my reverence for him and the barriers that he broke and the things that the wonderful things that he did to, uh, even be considered as a finalist. There is no arguing that. So, you know, the only, there's only four players that have ever won uh, a Super Bowl as a player and won it as a coach. Now, granted, he won it as a chief. He wasn't part of the Raiders when he won his Super Bowl, but only him. Now, Doug Peterson, uh, Mike Ditka. Uh, now I'm forgetting the names off the top of my head, but there, there's four of them uh, that, that have now done this. Uh, Tony Dungy uh, that, that have, have won it as well. So his accomplishments speak for that. And so previously when he was up for consideration and when I was outspoken about it and, and kind of fell under some ire from members of Raider nation, I had said that I didn't feel that he was worthy of being in the hall of fame, not worth their opinion of him worthy of being in the hall of fame because of his entire track record as a coach, because he can't be considered as a contributor. He's not going to get in as a player. The only way that he's going to get inducted singularly is as a coach. Now, can you tell the story of the NFL without telling the story of Tom Flores? The answer to that question is no. So he's definitely deserving to be in there. But what part of the story do you tell determines kind of where he ends up in this thing? So when you look at him just exclusively as a head coach, Mikey, if he would have retired a Raider, if he would have had retired after his nine-year tenure with the Raiders, I think that he's a, a, a Hall of Fame, not only finalist, but an inductee. And here's why. His Raiders coaching career over that nine years, his winning percentage was 610. So he won 83 games and only lost 53 to go along with two Super Bowl championships. When you look at the the coaches that are in the hall of fame from the super bowl era not the ones from like the 20s and the so not george hallis and not curly lambo and not all those but what i'm talking about madden lombardi george allen don shula paul brown tony dungy joe gibbs those type coaches when you look at at, at flores he fits right in the middle with his winning percentage out of the guys that are already in there but then he has this pesky little thing with the Seattle Seahawks where he went and coached them for three years. So not only did he have the two non-winning seasons with the Raiders at the end, he then went and turned in two 6-10 and 10 seasons and a 12 and a 2-14 and 14 season with the Seahawks. That drug is winning percentage all the way down to 521, which is lower than any of the other induct any of the other coaches that are already in the Hall of Fame. There's only one guy that you could quote put from the Super Bowl area that you could put in there that's higher, and that's Weeb Eubank, the coach of the Jets from Super Bowl III. But a majority of Weeb's career came from when he was uh, prior to that. He was winning NFL championships before the Super Bowl era. So if we if you put Tom in there, he's a distant last place to even be considered behind Marv Levy is the next closest at a 561 winning percentage. And Marv, although he never won one, went to four straight Super Bowls. So you look at the list of coaches on here, 
when you consider what he did in Seattle, he doesn't fall in with the rest of these guys. And look, at him. here's one last thing. And again, don't shoot the messenger, Raider Nation. I love Coach Flores, I promise you. But when we look at it from not only what he did in Seattle, but his last two years with the Raiders, the last two years, guys, in, in after, the, after the championship uh, in, in 83, the next year in 84, they had two first-round exits in the playoffs. And Al Davis attributed a lot of that to Coach Flores. They were the number one seed in the playoffs, and they got outed in the first round. Then they went back again the next year and got outed again in the first round. They were the best team in the regular season and had a first-round exit. And Al Davis held Flores accountable for that, and that's why it ended. you got to remember, things wouldn't end if they were going good. Things only end because they're going bad. And a lot of us weren't old enough to remember that. I was, just barely, but it wasn't. It, it didn't end pretty. It wasn't a good ending. So I, I wish Coach would have quit there. I really do. Because without Seattle, it's a whole different conversation. And the narrative around this latest push was really behind his Raiders career. Because when we look at the Raiders career in a vacuum, he's a Hall of Famer. But all this other stuff that went on after that, gosh darn it, man. It just, I, and I, again, I think that's what the committee's looking at. So you want to try to find out why. I think when the committee looks at it, he just doesn't fit in with the rest of the guys that are on that list. And it sucks, man. It really does suck. But, Murph, tell the Raider fans the truth. You're actually a Pro Bowl, I mean, voter, a Hall of (laughs) Fame voter. Not a Pro Bowl. You're a Hall of Fame voter. Just admit it. You look at the whole everything. Let me figure this all out. Let me compare. Eh, whatever. It's nonsense. I don't even know how they vote. You want to think of it like this, okay? John Madden won one Super Bowl, okay? Do you know what his career winning percentage was? No, 759. He's the number one He's the highest, the highest, the highest winning percentage of any Super Bowl. In fact, not even just the Super Bowl era coaches of any head coach in the history of the league. Along oh, real with, quickly, just was he snubbed this year against the competition that was there in the top fifteen? Okay, regardless of everything else that went into him becoming in the top fifteen, the competition, whether it be Don Coryell. Pat Bolin, uh, I believe those were his only competition. Yeah, for but legacy. they were competition. See, and that's the thing that Raider Nation's got to remember. This was not Pat Bolin versus Tom Flores. Pat Bolin went in as a contributor. That's a different story. You're not talking about. I'm just asking. I, I don't know I how know, they. I know it. you're I not. I'm talking about the proverbial you, Mikey. Oh, we got hey, it. Hey, so it's it's not the same thing. A contributor was going to get in regardless. It did. Flores wasn't like, well, this guy got in and Flores was out. That's not how it works. You got to look. But at, do you think he was snubbed versus the competition? <sighs> yes, I think he was snubbed because I think that. I think it's a disservice to him and the significance of his career to examine it the way that I just said. Because I, I, I well, I think that's why they let, kept him out. I don't think that's a good enough reason. And then maybe this is the Raider fan in me coming out to defend him. But I think when you do look at what he did when he was in silver and black, I don't care what the Al Davis effect was. Al Davis will even tell you post game after super bowl freaking uh 18 
that Tom Flores is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Those are Al's words. That's not my words. And I trust Al a lot more than I trust me or you or anybody else. Those were Al's words. So, you know, I think that you got to consider at some point, we've got to look at, at Flores, not only his significance as, as the, as the player and the barrier breaking because he's a Latino and, and the different things that, that, that come with that, but then also his career as a head coach, again, six ten winning percentage, two Super Bowls puts him slam dunk in the middle of all these guys. It puts him right there in between Bill Walsh and Bud Grant. You know what I mean? Like that's where he belongs. But so we, if the, if the committee would look at it like that, he's in. He's definitely in. Yeah, who knows how the committee looks at anything. But I just to sum it all up, I believe he was snubbed 100%. I believe he was deserving to get in because he made it to the top 15. And if you want to call the other people competition, I don't know. I see it as a win. But, you know, in these days of Trump making walls and, you know, minorities hating everybody, I don't know what's going on. They got Gonzalez this year, so they don't need to worry about it um, <laughs> in terms of that aspect. But I thought with Mark Davis joining forces with Roger Goodell and the NFL to make money, and if that's a conspiracy or not, I thought that, you know, they would give the Raiders that um, this in this year. But I now I, I don't, they're going to give it to him next year going into Vegas for the publicity. Well, they might. And, and, you know, here's the other thing too, is that I don't think Tom Flores is the most glaring omission from the hall of fame for the Raiders. And that's the other part of this too, that yeah, Cliff branch. And then also Lester Hayes. I think that those two glare and, and Phil Villapiano, frankly. Um, but there are, but I, I, I think definitely when you, why is Lynn Swan in the hall of fame and Cliff branch isn't Cliff branches right. numbers dominate Freaking uh, uh, Lynn Swan, and he's got three championships, three Super Bowls. Cliff Branch does. So, I mean, there are other more glaring omissions, I think, than even Coach Flores, but you know, whatever. That's a whole nother conversation. There it is. This show's getting long, so we're going to speed okay, it all let's up go. again. Hit, hit, the, hit the accelerator, Mikey. Yeah, not that you're to blame. I'm just saying that we're uh, having I'd a great a time, but yeah. the show's going long. There's your official class of the Hall of Fame. Make it what you will. There's a lot of Broncos, Patriots, and Chiefs on there. So I'm a little upset. Uh, this is the Raiders pressure without blitzing. Uh, we are the lowest percentage of pressure, 18% in the league without blitzing, according to pro football focus. Or, you know what? That looks like ESPN <laughs> stats that you, you wrote about. So who knows if that's correct or not. Uh, all right. I just captioned this photo. Uh Gruden sat down at press row at the Super Bowl with this sign. I don't know if it was his sign or somebody else's, but it said, the Raiders will make the playoffs in 2009. Change my mind. So I guess people can go up there and try to change his mind. Uh, was that real? I, it's a real photo. That's Gruden behind there. I, I He's holding a coffee cup. I, I, you know, I don't think they you know, photoshopped him in. <laughs> yeah, I saw that picture. I assumed that it was a a, a Photoshop deal. I saw that uh, a couple of weeks ago. I I don't know. That's not yeah. that's not what press row though. That's just some random thing. That's why I w was wondering because that's not where they did press for the Senior Bowl. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I said the Pro Bowl. Oh, I mean Pro the Bowl. Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Sorry, I saw the picture like before the Super Bowl, so I was oh, assuming oh, oh, it was oh. press row. For you know the Super Bowl where teams yeah. and coaches go yeah. to little areas. Oh, I wouldn't be in a park. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But do you want to try to change his mind? Uh, no, heck no. I hope he's right, man. What are you kidding? <laughs> 
I, I did it in a video. I tried to change his mind because I don't think they're going to make the playoffs in 2019. Again, if they do, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to have a ch- different tune. But uh, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting picture to, to talk about. All right, caption this photo. It's Mike Mayock from the Senior Bowl with a book, a backpack on the field. Now, what did I do with Murph's number again? uh that's that's actually pretty funny because you know you just probably met him prior (laughs) so that's very very funny Uh, i'll caption it with yeah gruden's gonna love my uh projections i don't know whatever it's done (laughs) all right this is the last funniest thing i've ever seen in my life are you gonna buy one of these license plates i looked at him today i sure am bud it's got room for four letters, so one with Murph and one with Mosh. Heck yeah! Really, you're right. One, two, three, four. Yeah, because okay. on this on that picture's only got three digits, but on the on the DMV website for Nevada, it actually shows there's four spots for four for four characters. So yeah, so it'll say Al Murph and then Al Mosh. There it is. Uh, yeah, I w- I wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. Maybe for my Raider room, but it says Nevada. Yeah, you so. Can- yeah, you get the Nevada Raiders. I don't know. Yeah, but it's the state, so you get it. You can get a souvenir plate, is what they call it. So it's not a. You're, I'm not talking about like registering a vehicle. I mean, you just get the. Souvenir. Oh, that's not to register a vehicle. That's what I there, thought it was. There is, but you can also get a souvenir plate Uh-oh. that's not registering a vehicle, and it's like 15 bucks. They're cheap. Yeah. So yeah. And then so, I'm gonna get. I'll get one. Well, of course you will. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You it'll it'll say Mike. Mikey. Yes. Well, it can only go Mike. Unless you go M-I-K-Y. Uh, I'll get a piece of white tape and I'll write the Y somehow. Trust me. It'll say Mikey. All right. And there it is. I just had to get this. Murph doing your thing on Murph's fan cave. Links are below. This is Murph in glorious 4K or whatever in his podcast working. I'm going to caption this photo. Okay. Now let me talk, Mosh. <laughs> now let me talk, Mosh. Oh, that's funny. Or the proverbial you. The proverbial Mikey. Yeah, he'd be like, you believe what Mikey just said? Yeah. Not you, the proverbial you. (laughs) I don't know. You caption your own photo. I think it'll be funny. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Do you believe what Mikey said on that last episode? Yeah. All right, whatever. We're having fun. Let's move on. Let's go. This is the speed round. The Senior Bowl. John Gruden versus the 49ers won. They basically shut out the South squad in, at halftime uh, on defense until, you know, the last six, seven minutes. But, boy, the North came out to play after halftime from my perspective. They pulled out a victory, 34-24. to 24. Gruden won. Uh, and you had the pleasure of going down to the Senior Bowl, meeting some people. So give me your thoughts on the game, some players you liked, and maybe a little story about, you know, what you talked about with John Gruden or whoever. And your thoughts from the game? Yeah, so um, you know, so there was unfortunately Josh Allen, the uh, d- defensive end uh, slash outside linebacker from Kentucky, chose not to uh, play in the game. So unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see him. But there were so many other great players that came out of it. Uh, Zach Allen from Boston College, who is an edge rusher. Of course, Montez Sweat was probably the best edge rusher in the game. Uh, so those guys were were great fun to watch. Uh, there was a lot of great linemen, lots of offensive linemen, uh, Raider nation. Don't be surprised if the Raiders draft some more linemen, uh, in this upcoming draft. Uh, 
as far as the skill positions go, uh, Terry McLaurin from Ohio State, the, the Raiders coaches loved him. He was uh, really kind of came in known as a special teams player, but flashed uh, quite a bit of speed and caught everything that was around him. Uh, in terms of wide receivers go, also Andy Isabella, wide receiver out of UMass. Uh, think of like a, like a Julian Edelman type, uh, uh, you know, 5'8", uh, guy with a lot of wiggle to him, though. Uh, not a big catch radius, but definitely vice grips for hands that could catch anything that that makes it into them um you know just just a lot a lot of talented players down there nasir adderley uh delaware safety who who got the the raiders attention definitely cornerback named rock yasin uh one of the best names in the draft or excuse me in the senior bowl and uh also a, a heck of a cornerback man fast kid um got some uh you know good coverage skills to him all the cornerbacks kind of struggled a little bit just because the rules differences this is kind of their first um time playing and more like the nfl styled uh rules of 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 pass coverage so they all kind of struggled a little bit in their own regard but he was definitely one to watch uh quarterback class was a little bit underwhelming uh other than drew lock uh trace mcsorley was there a handful of others and but really drew was the one that really stood out uh daniel jones from duke was another player to maybe watch a quarterback but he didn't jump out not nearly even the way that that drew lock did um so overall my big takeaway in terms of the game itself was it was impressive to see the way the Raiders coaches connected with these young men. You know, one of the knocks against John Gruden early was, oh, he's, he's you know, he's, he's, uh, he's been disconnected. He's been out of the game too long. He's not going to be able to relate to younger players. Bull crap. He relates just fine. All of the comments from all of the players on the North squad throughout the week were how much of a blessing it was to be coached by not only Gruden, but this staff, that how, how, how much they were thankful that they got to spend time with the staff. And it wasn't just those words, their actions denoted that. There you go. The way that they were handing out those helmet stickers, the way that the players got excited and got motivated by these coaches and, and the investment that the coaches had in them. You mentioned how they played in the second half. Gruden will tell you, look, I didn't go in with any major adjustments. I didn't go in with any crazy scheme changes. I just went in and I talked to them about the, the what they had at stake. What was it that they were actually playing for and how he, he was able to relate that to them. That's what motivated them to come out guns blazing and dominate the second half. Well, if that don't, I mean, what else do you want? Like out of, a, as far as a coach of young men. So Kudos to the Raiders. Kudos to, I mean, uh, it was a, an amazing experience. Uh, you know, you want to hear about my experiences with it, you can listen to it on, on, on Raiders Fan Radio. I won't g- get into all the details here because it's, I know we're going to start running out of time. But the gist of it was this. I got a chance to to shake hands with a lot of the Raiders brass, everybody from John Gruden to Mike Mayock to all the, pretty much everybody in the on the, uh, the major positions on the coaching staff. And um, the, the, the senior bowl folks were in- incredibly gracious. Uh, the Raiders were gracious and, uh, I had an amazing time representing the Raiders media. There was Raiders digital media. So like the people that do like the Instagram and Facebook videos and that kind of stuff, they were there, but the, but their team affiliated, the only Raiders reporting, not affiliated with the team. You that's it. That was it. And so I was thankful to be down there and that's not to 
self-gratify or self-celebrate, that's a testament to not only the audience of our show that was able to put us in that position to be credentialed to go down there and, and attend it. Um, so, so thank to everybody that pays attention to us and likes on our stuff and subscribes to our stuff and listens and downloads podcasts and all that. That's, that's the result of all of that equated to our being able to be there. But because we were the only one, man, I was thinking, I'll take that mantle. If it, you know what I mean? I, you know, I, I love representing Raider nation. I love the, our football team. And you know, so to have a chance to do that, man, is frankly, it's just freaking humbling, man. Just, just to be able to, to go down there and be, and be part of all that. So long story short, man, you're just a fan as you would say as well. And you've literally put in the work. You remember all the players' names. You remember, you know, their colleges, you know, maybe not every single one, but you're doing a damn good job. And I just want to let you know, I can't believe it. And I'm freaking proud of you, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you, Mikey. You're bringing it, bro. Like, you know, so I'm proud of you. And I hope the Raider staff or whoever, I hope they learn who you are either through this channel, your channel or whatever. And they need to just respect you because you're doing an amazing job. Uh, all right. So that brought me back to this. I, I thought this was ridiculous in terms of a head coach in the NFL. I, it was fun for the game. I get it. Yeah. It's completely fun for the college players. But this would not work in today's NFL, giving stickers out. Khalil Mack would have wanted 150 million stickers if they're each worth a dollar. And, the, you know, <laughs> How's he going to motivate the 2019 free agents when he basically fired them all last season? Like, how's he going to motivate this year's squad? It can't be stickers. <laughs> I don't know, but I just thought this was kind of funny and ridiculous. Did they get a pizza party? I, I, I was. I, I'm hoping they did. I don't know. Your thoughts on the stickers? They, in they today's love, NFL. They look. Sports is fun, man. Football's fun. And they were having fun and the stickers were part of that. And so, you know, it, that's, that's when it's, that's when it's at its best. You know what I mean? If you can take away all the distractions, the draft positioning and the posturing and the contracts and the, all that stuff, and just reduce this down to getting out there on the grass on a beautiful day in South, South Alabama and go out there and have fun. Like that's what it's all about, man. And they had fun slapping these stickers on kids' heads and the kids loved it. And I'm old enough to call them kids. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah, they loved it. Well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with loving it and having a good time, man? There's nothing wrong with it at all. I thought it was great. Yeah, like I said, I put it into today's NFL, and I don't think it'll work. But what a great ambassador for our brand, if John Gruden ever is one, to basically get a lot of screen time and a lot of coverage for the Raiders from the reporters and from these players maybe having a good time and wanting to be on the Raiders and hope they're drafted or – if they're signed undrafted for Gruden, maybe they get a phone call. They're like, yeah, I love Gruden, man. He put a sticker on my helmet. You know, I'll sign with the Raiders instead of undrafted with another team. So, you know what? Let's look back. Let's have fun. You're completely right. Uh, what a great Pro Bowl. Uh, what a great Pro Bowl. Uh, like, should they play um, flags? Your thoughts on the Pro Bowl? Did you enjoy it? Did you watch it? Should they end it? Should they quit? Should it retire? I I don't know, man. I feel like it just needs to go away. I mean, it's not going to. I mean, it gets higher ratings than the Game 4 of the World Series. So, I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. That's the crazy part of this thing because we're all so sick with this 
sport that we, we watch anything that related to it. Um, so, and no, it's not going to go anywhere. But what you do with it to make the product better, man, I, I don't know. I did enjoy watching the skills competition. I watched that, and those, those were fun. Uh, the quarterback competition and the, and the catch competition, all that kind of like that was That was kind of in the dodgeball. Yeah. Like that stuff was fun. I did like watching all that. But as far as the game itself though, I don't know. I don't know what you do with it, man. I don't know if you, if you do truly just turn it into. Sorry. I just had to do that. Give them stickers. It'll be fun. I don't know, but they're not tackling nothing. I love you, man. That's so funny. Should it be flag football? What's going on? I don't know, man. Ah, that's hilarious, dude. Oh my gosh. Ah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't Can you imagine the cowboy coaches uh, putting cowboy stickers on them? Hey, good job. You know, I I don't know. I've tried I've I've tried to kick around some different ideas, you know, like make it so, like in in they've tried and they tried to do this before with uh with uh like Michael Irvin and Dion like drafting fantasy teams and like they tried that whole thing. But maybe like you put like, wouldn't you love to see like Dan Marino, like actually put on some pads and go out, you know, cause you're talking about a game where you got no pass rush. You can't hit anybody practically. So all he's got to do is go stand up in there in a the pocket and throw the football. The guy can still wing it. Like, so wouldn't that be fun? Like to have like, you know, Elway and Marino be like your two starting quarterbacks. You know what I mean? That way the quarterbacks don't even have to worry about going in and playing the game. And then they could just go out there and wing it to, you know, Antonio Brown or whatever. I don't, I, I don't let know. Let them play baseball. Let them play. Well, I thought about that too. Thought about like having them play like a softball game, but then you got to worry about somebody getting drilled back in the face. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know what you do. I, I really don't know if this might be one of those things. Like we talked about earlier in the show, there may not be a good answer. There may not be an answer where it's like, okay, do this, and then this will fix it. I don't know just what end you it. do. Just end it. Have the skills competition. Have them play video games. But, the, but people watch it. That's the thing is that so many people watch it. They're not going to contest. It. Have an eating contest. You know, all the big defensive linemen versus the offensive linemen. The AFC eating chicken wings versus the NFC. I'd watch it. I'd watch it. All right. But long story short, uh, where was I going to end this? statement i don't know whatever and uh-huh. the end the damn pro bowl and the pro bowl done you know they even took it from hawaii to save money it's just annoying all right whatever let's get into the super bowl uh patriots defeated the rams i call them a dynasty i'm calling brady and the the bill belichick the goat right now uh they i don't know i don't i don't want to admit it man i don't want to go with hatred but they are damn good, brother. Your thoughts on sorry. the Super Bowl? Sorry, I just nodded off there for a second thinking about this. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <yeah. laughs> was God. it a good Super Bowl? Was it boring? Did you enjoy it? Your thoughts? No, it was awful. And speaking of ratings, uh, so let me uh, let me read this to you. So I, I sent this to Mosh because he said on our show, he goes, you know, I don't remember a Super Bowl being less hyped than this one in recent history. And I'm like, you think? And he goes, man, he goes, I just, I'm not fired up for it. We didn't even watch it together. Like he went home and after we did our show yesterday and, and we watched it and texted each other, but listen to this. So last night, CBS drew a 44.9 overnight rating for Patriots Rams, which is the lowest scoring Super Bowl yet. You hear that y'all? The lowest one yet. That figures lowest for Super Bowl since the Steelers Cardinals drew a 42.1 uh, in 2009, the Boston market got a good rating and the L.A. market got a good rating, but it wasn't enough to carry the rest of the country. So, I mean, it, listen, it's, it was not a fun game to watch. It was very uneventful. Um, you know, in terms of the outcome, I mean, 
yeah, I don't know how you, you can't win six Super Bowls and be in nine of them and not be and and own most of the significant passing records in the in the in the league and not be considered the greatest of all time. So I don't even think we should. The argument is over. Like it used to be, like who was better, Marino or Montana? Marino had the records, Montana had the rings. Who was better? Well, then this guy came along and did them all. So again, the, did the did the Rams misuse Todd Gurley? I mean, you're you're you're. I don't know what happened. I don't get it. I feel like something else is going on there. I heard it today mentioned that maybe not the same thing was going on with him that was going on in the last in the NFC Championship game, where the NFC Championship game they didn't want to refer to it as a benching, but C.J. Anderson was the better fit, so so he was the guy that was on the field. Where this was more of a uh, maybe maybe could be an injury thing. Maybe, who who knows? But they felt that this analyst that I heard on on I think it was on the Rich Eisen show talking about how they felt it was a different condition to why he was in the field. Either way, all I know is this: is that we're all conditioned to hate him because of the tuck rule. And I get all that. But at the end of the day, not only is Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, but Bill Belichick is a freaking genius. And when you talk about the moment being too big for Sean McVay, like, here you go. You want to know what the moment being too big for you looks like and getting out coached looks like. There you go. Because by all accounts, when you look at the, the way that the teams are structured top to bottom, there is not a, a a major like talent jump between the Patriots and the Rams. If anything, the Rams have more talent, certainly at the skill positions, and they got punked, man. You, you're telling me that Wade Phillips' defense held the Patriots to 13 points and you couldn't win the football game? Like, right. Wade Phillips didn't get outcoached, but Sean McVay certainly did. So I, I hope this slows a little bit of the hype uh, that, that that's around this team. And, you know, if anything, I'll tell you what, what I get, what bums me out most, that this is now two years in a row we were robbed of Brady Breeze because I'm a big fan of this game. And while clearly I'm a Raider fan, first and foremost, I'm also a fan of a good story. And I would love to see two of Hall of Famers in the twilight of their careers duke it out. And Minnesota robbed us of not only Brady Breeze, but Rogers Breeze because they broke Aaron Rodgers' shoulder last year. But now this year, because of that stupid call, they kept uh, uh, the Rams now kept the, the Saints out uh, again for a second time. So, so the Vikings kept the Saints out and now the, the, the freaking Rams kept them out. So, I just I, I hope that if our Raiders are not involved next year, I want to see a couple <laughs> Hall of Famers go at it. I want to see Aaron Rodgers and and Tom Brady or Drew Brees and Tom Brady or you know what I mean. I want to see that kind of a matchup. You know what I mean. So, anyway, so that's that's what I learned from all this is that you know Bill Belichick really is truly a mastermind. He really truly is the evil genius. And you can call him cheaters. You can call him anything you want. At the end of the day, that guy's got. He has now what. Eight, nine rings himself because he's got the ones from the Giants too. So I think he's got two from the Giants. So I mean, that's definitely. Then if Tom Brady has six, that's at least nine. Well, no, eight. I think me. it's. Yeah. I, I and I think I feel like there's even one more in there. But anyways, yeah, eight Super Bowl ring. Like that's no mistake. Like that you you ain't cheating your way to eight rings. You know what I'm saying? Like at a certain point, you're just a freaking genius, man. And that's so. Look, I don't like him, and I'm. I'm I'm finally getting sick of seeing him. You know what I mean? Like I'm always, I'm always the fan of the guy. Like I like greatness, man. I like, and even though I'm not a Laker fan, I like, you know, when the rate the Lakers were running off championships and it's like, all right, that's cool. I can respect that. Or the bulls or, you know what I mean? Or like, I can respect the greatness, but gosh, dang it, man. Like, all right, it's our turn, man. Dang yep. it. It's freaking our turn. I'll, Let's get in there. I'll just, I'll just end it with this. You know, 
I think this was the NFL's way of pushing the LA teams into the playoffs uh, for, you know, the 2020 season when they have a stadium because they need LA to work. So the Chargers got in with a good record, went a little far in the playoffs, and the Rams went pretty dang far. So next year it'll probably be Rams-Chargers, if you want to call it in a conspiracy world. So they'll, both L.A. will have winning teams on both sides of the factions for their new stadium. I don't know, but I enjoyed the game. Let me be quite honest with you. I tr- thoroughly enjoyed it. Why? Because every five-yard pass or run was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Is it going to happen? Is it going to start? So it was kind of exciting. And I was able to, like, pretend I was a coach. And I'm watching going, damn, look what the defense is doing. Look what Aaron Donald's doing. So it kind of made me a fan of the actual strategy and game of football by watching the defense. That's cool. That's uh, cool. So I kind of enjoyed it, you know. When there's a lot of scoring, it's just like, oh, man, you're not really delving deep into the strategy and ways to play call a game. So – I don't know. I that's kind of good, enjoyed it. Well, you know, Mikey, that's a good take. And that's like, you know, I equate that to like when, when you watch like postseason baseball, like there's so much going on that where, you know, the, the casual fan or somebody that's not familiar with the sport might look at it and go, man, this is boring. But there's so much going on between the pitcher and the catcher and you know what I mean? And what the dugout's signaling in. And like, there's so many things that are, that are, that are fitting the narrative of the game. You're right. That, that last night's was, game was, was very similar to that. And I'll tell you what, you mentioned Aaron Donald. That was something else that came up too is that, you know, I saw somebody tweet earlier uh, today, that's why you don't pay defensive players $90 million guaranteed. You know what I mean? Because you neutralize a player like that. Look at what happens. Like, how much did, now granted, would the Rams be in the position they were if not for Aaron Donald? No. Is he defensive player of the year? Yes. And what he did is is off the charts amazing, having 20 and a half sacks from an interior lineman position. I'm not taking away from him. But what I am saying is that you can outcoach that. You can outcoach somebody with that kind of talent, and that's why the Raiders did what they did with Mac. So, I mean, if anything, Raider Nation, and somebody that you know, those of you that are still getting after him on the on the Mac stuff, that's why, Sean, right there. Sean McVay, did, I love that. Sean McVay didn't even do a trick play. I, I, you know, he he normally, excuse me, sorry, the internet got a little bad, but um, see if I can fix it. Sean McVay didn't even do a trick play. Sean McVay uh, didn't have any big plays up his sleeve that I saw. I don't know what happened. It was a bad game. All right, back to Raider news. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Marshawn Lynch wore, instead of a suit <laughs> at the man of the year, he wore a beast mode hoodie. Uh, was this bad or rad in your opinion? It was rad, man. I love Marshawn, man. He is, uh, I love that he is the ambassador to, for Raider Nation, man. He represents the Raiders. Uh, in a very proud way. You know, I, uh, last night or yesterday when we did our Super Bowl show, we talked, we were talking about Madden and we we're talking about the Raiders of the seventies. And I said, the Raiders of the seventies, and, and it really stemmed from John were not concerned with optics. They didn't care about the way they looked. They didn't care about the way they were perceived. They didn't care about all they cared about was scoring points. They cared about touchdowns. They cared about touchdowns and they cared about the performances on Sunday. And Marshawn is absolutely that. He doesn't care about this other stuff that goes on. He's not there to impress you. He's not there to do anything but represent himself, his team, his city, you know, his, his initiatives with his, entre- uh, you know, his, his philanthropy and all that wonderful things that he does to even be considered uh, for a man of the year like he was. So I think it's great. I think he epitomizes what it is to be a Raider. 
Yeah, I mean, I disagree on this one only because it's the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, he's representing, I wouldn't say the Raiders. I wouldn't say Oakland. He's representing his brand, you know, in the biggest stage of the world from that picture. Uh, but uh, everybody else is wearing suits, and I just wish Marshawn would take that next step in the public eye to not conform to the norm, but like where we're like, dude, this guy's amazing. He's gonna, you know, he's. But that's he's not what he like, does. But that's not what I, he does, man. And, I would hope for that, though. You get it. I'm hoping. I uh, am hoping for that. Uh, Thirty-three <laughs> years old, man. He, you know, this point in his career and his life, he's not gonna do that. I, I, I hear you. I mean, and you but know, everybody else did. You get it, like all the other players, and mm. to be considered man of the year. I don't know, like, if he should have represented it with a suit. I'm just saying, from my perspective, I wanted more. It's bad to me. Okay. But uh, somebody brought up, one of the fans said, since he has a Beast Mode clothing brand, that she, he should have invented a, a tuxedo or a suit with a Beast <laughs> Mode logo. There you go. And that, how many people would have bought that online? That would have been an amazing brand strategy for him. I would totally wear a beast mode suit to work. Absolutely. There it is. So that's what it is. And I just have this message for the LA Rams. Yeah. We are still the only team ever to win a Super Bowl from LA. Absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. There's your final score of the Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl. God, I can't even say it right. All right. We had a, on our All show right, last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a Murph versus Mikey playoff for predicting championship where we both predicted the teams that would win and whoever has the most wins in general, regardless of picking the Super Bowl winner, will win. Okay. So here, here is Murph's pick. You got Houston right. You got Baltimore wrong, looking at the AFC side. You got Kansas City right. You got New England right coming out of that bracket then on the opposite side the nfc you don't know nothing about the nfc i'm just kidding <laughs> you, basically you got the la uh rams right then you had new orleans which it should have been that super bowl you're darn right now now looking back but new orleans and new england so in total you had five picks right which is you know average not wait good. a minute no but i had you gotta give me one more there because i had new orleans beating chicago so they won to get into that next game. Okay, you know what? Let me look back. And the Rams. That should be a win, too. The Rams over right. Seattle. Those are two wins right there, Mikey. I do have the Rams. Look to the next the one the, the, where, the, where it says L.A. Yeah, the previous one. So, like, I lost Baltimore, but then I got New England, right? No, okay, okay, real quick. Look at the Seattle-Dallas game. Then look at where I have the the red. Dallas won, so Seattle went there, so that's a loss because you predicted Seattle. So then it's See, still sh- all right, but then it's so there's okay. I get I kinda... you get it. Then the Rams beat them, and you had them going to the next bracket versus New Orleans, so that's why it has a green because the Rams <laughs> went. And I had the and I had New Orleans winning the Super Bowl. Yes, and you had New Orleans winning. I got the you. Super Bowl. Okay, all right. So gosh, uh, I got close, man. I'm telling you, I got robbed. I got robbed by the refs too. But you're right about the New Orleans Saints uh, beating Chicago. So I don't know why I listed that one wrong because they didn't beat whatever. Whatever. So you got six. All right. So I got six. Okay. All right. I'm in the hunt. I'm in the hunt. What'd you do? 
I got eight right. Six, seven, eight. Good for you, Mikey. I had the Chiefs beating Houston, which they did. I had the Patriots beating the Chargers. Then I had the Chargers beating Baltimore, which they did. I had the Rams beating Dallas. I had Dallas beating Seattle. Whatever. I think I'm the the champ. You nailed the final four, man. That's pretty solid, dude. And and everything but the winner, right? You hit everything but the winner there. Good job, Mike. Correct, yeah. I had the Rams winning. So, whatever. I'm a conspiracy guru. You know, that's all I'm going to say. All right, whatever. I'm the predicting champ. So all of Murph's stats and facts are wrong. I'm just kidding. I'm just Good kidding. job, Mikey. Good job, buddy. All right. Oh, it doesn't matter. We're just having fun. Here it is, Murph. The Raiders.com presented a Super Bowl Raiders Uh-oh. trivia poll. Okay. And I love you in Raiders trivia. So let's okay. get into some Raiders Super Bowl trivia. All right. And see if you get it right. They're pretty easy. I actually got all the questions right the first time. But let's do it for the audience. Okay. All right. Super Bowl Raider trivia number one. All right. Here goes the question. Sorry, the video will lag a little bit. Question number one. What years did the Raiders win the Super Bowl? 1980, 83, 2002. And remind you, they said, what years did the Raiders win? The Super Bowl, 80, 83, 2002, 76, 80, 84, 76, yeah, those are the, 80, 83. Those are the league seasons. So 76, 80, 83 were the league seasons. They were actually – the games were played the January's following, so that better not burn me because I can't see the screen entirely. But 76, 80, 80, and 83 were the season years. Yeah, I know. They always label it the next year some weird way. Yeah. So, But you know what? That is the answer, okay, and good. I believe that is the right answer. All right. Hold on, this video just takes forever. Five seconds. There it is. Correct. All right, 76, good deal. All right. 80, and 83. Okay. All right. Let's move it forward to number two. Here we go. Which head coach led the Raiders to multiple Super Bowl titles? That would be West Hall of Fame finalist Tom Flores. <laughs> I don't even need, need to ask. <laughs> All right. Let's see if it's Tom Flores. There it is. Correct. Tom Flores led him in 80 and 83. All right. You're two for two. Uh, Question number three, what cities hosted hosted the Raiders in the Super Bowl victories? Pasadena, Miami, New Orleans, San Diego, New Orleans, Tampa, Pasadena, New Orleans, Tampa, Los Angeles, New Orleans, Tampa. Pasadena, New Orleans, and Tampa. All right. Let me move this forward. There it is. You are correct. Pasadena, New Orleans, and Tampa hosted the Raiders in the Super Bowl. Question number four. You were three for three. Which three teams did the Raiders beat in the Super Bowl? That would be the Vikings, the Eagles, and the Redskins. All right. I clicked the Vikings, Eagles, and Redskins. Look look how quick I even did it for the video. Like, I know you can't see it, but it's so funny how quick I even do it. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, I knew. (laughs) I knew. I actually got them all right the first time I was filming it, so that's kind of fun. How many? Okay, question number five. How many uh-huh. yards was Willie Brown's famous interception return for a touchdown in Super Bowl Eleven? Was it eighty yards interception return, seventy-five, seventy, or seventy-four? Seventy-five. Seventy-five. Let's see if you are right. Dang, we are. We both knew it. That was the year I was born, so I'm always going to remember that. Oh, there you go. You are correct, sir. I always remember it because it was 75 and Marcus Allen's run and on Black Sunday was 74. Oh, <laughs> and, and that's the next question. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. In, in Super Bowl uh, 18, who scored <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the 74-yard 
touchdown that effectively iced the game for the Raiders, increasing their lead to 34-9. Cliff Branch, Marcus Allen, Kenny King, Todd Christensen. Yeah, Marcus Allen, yeah. Yeah, I know. You stated it just yeah, now. So there funny. it is, Marcus Allen. We are both doing very good. Uh, all right, who was the co- – question number seven, who was the quarterback for Super Bowl eighteen? Was it Jim Plunkett, Rich yep. Gannon, or Ken Staler? That'd be Staler. Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett was your quarterback. Let's see if that answer is correct. And whoops, there we go. Correct. He was the quarterback. How many yardage did he have in that game? I just want to refresh my memory. Jim Plunkett led the Raiders. Uh, to the Super less Bowl. than two hundred, I think. It wasn't. It wasn't. Six, they, 16 completions for 172 yards. There you go. Because we scored in all three phases. We scored in offense, defense, and special teams in that game. There we go. Question number eight. Which three Raider players were voted a Super Bowl MVP? Fred Belitnikoff, Marcus Allen, Rich Gannon, Cliff Branch, Jim Plunkett are your choices. That'd be a Freddie B, Marcus Allen, and Jim Plunkett. I would say you are 100% correct. Now let me put it in there. Here we go. There we go. Move my mouse. Uh, Marcus. Whoops. Fred. There we go. Fred Belitnikov, Marcus Allen, and Jim Plunkett. 100% correct. You're doing good. Thanks, You're nine man. for nine. I should Are you be. Gonna be. So according to Raiders.com, here's the ninth question. What quarter did running – excuse me, I can't even read it. What quarter did running back Pete Banizak score a touchdown to put the Raiders ahead 26-7 to during Super Bowl eleven? The first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, or the fourth quarter? Fourth quarter. Perfect. Holding up a number four for the – whoops. Let me move that back to the fourth quarter. Ah, it's just so hard. This mouse. Okay, here we go. Fourth quarter. There you go. hey oh. And according to this, you are a Raider legend, Murph. We both are because I answered it too. Right on. <laughs> Live on the air. Good job, Mikey. There it is. All right. I had story time. Any true or funny stories real quickly from the, the combine senior bowl, anything that happened to you recently? Uh, no, I'll just tell you, man, I, I, I said it a little bit ago and I'll just, I, was, I had an amazing time down at the senior bowl and I had a chance to interview, uh, Alexa Stabler, uh, Kenny Stabler's daughter, who's also a, uh, an agent and she represents a handful of players in the NFL and even the newly formed Alliance football league. And I also got to spend some time with Matt Schneidman, uh, from the San Jose Mercury news or the Bay area news group anyways. And so thank you to both of them. Um, you know, I felt a little bit like a fish out of water. You mentioned before, you know, I'm a fan and I only represent ever being a fan. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm some media guy, uh, even though I like to get on here and, and talk about the team, that's not w- what I am. And I'm not going to try to front that I'm anything that I'm not. So a little bit of, a, I felt like a little bit of fish out of water, but the two of them both made me feel really comfortable, kind of sat down with me. I was there on radio row. Um, there was the XM radio guys. As far as radio row goes, the XM radio guys, the local Alabama radio station, the Denver Broncos, uh, station. And I'm talking about like big state, like not like a little podcast. I'm talking about like the big, you know, terrestrial radio station. Then me, then the Jacksonville Jaguars guys, then the Browns, then the Eagles, and then the Raiders digital media folks. So I was smack dab in the middle of all these, you know, for real radio shows 
and Alexa and Matt both came and sat down and did interviews with me and f- made me feel at home and kind of legitimized our whole reason for being there. And so uh, they were very gracious with their time. And so that that kind of stuff was was really cool because, you know, the I wasn't Sean McVay. The moment wasn't bigger than me. But I will say this. It was very, very uh, overwhelming uh, at times being down there, being in rooms filled with scouts and players and officials and coaches and GMs. And like, I mean, everybody and, and media and like, I mean, there's just people that you recognize all over the place. And so you know, and then here I am. Right. And so, so it was kind of funky. So, so for the two of them to do that and to sit down and spend time with us, that was really, really amazing. And, uh, I can't wait to do it again next year. Whether the, hopefully the Raiders aren't a part and of it. The draft you're going to probably do. Oh the draft. my gosh! And that's a whole nother thing. So we're going to be. Uh, I'll say this real fast. We're going to be. Uh, we're going to be doing live streams at the draft. They just announced where the different locations are going to be for the draft. So we know kind of where they're going to set up. If you're coming to the draft, if you're coming to Nashville. You're going. They announced that you only have to download the app on your phone for the NFL media app and you automatically get a ticket. You're going to have to go check them through security and all that stuff. But the lottery system that there used to be where they would draw names has been eliminated. So now everybody gets to go. And where they're doing this is this section of downtown called Lower Broad where we do like our big New Year's Eve celebration and stuff like that. So they could fit like 200,000 people downtown. So this is going to be effectively one big giant outdoor rock concert for the draft it's going to be amazing and raiders fan radio and me and my uncle mosh and everybody are going to be all over that thing we're going to have listener meetups we're going to do a lot of fun stuff around the draft so stay tuned to raiders fan radio murph's fan cave that's murph's fan cave got.com or youtube.com slash murph's fan cave check our stuff out we'll be all over the draft and we hope that uh, we be we can be part of your draft experience yes check it out they will have amazing draft coverage but i love watching you talk about or have pride in your pride. And you deserve to say that, you know, you're a fish out of water. No, you're not, Murph. You're slowly becoming one of them, but you're one of us. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Right on, man. So be proud, be humble, Thank and you, just realize you're doing amazing work, and you deserve all the rewards that hopefully will come from it, dude. Thank you, you brother. Deserve. Thank you, Mike. Very uh, kind, man. Thank you. All right, quick study or uh, story uh, funny to me. Uh, you know, I, I got a broken fracture on my foot and I got plantar fascia. So I was home a lot, tried to make a video predicting the Super Bowl. I always thought in a conspiracy world, the Rams would win. But I look for signs in life to let me know something's different. Well, during the broken foot time, I don't know, I had the door open or something. But all of a sudden I was eating food in the in my room Uh and it was disappearing from the floor. And I was thinking, did I get up in the middle of the night in a fat slumber and eat the crumbs off the floor or the cookies or whatever's there? And I was like, it, it ain't me. It ain't me. So I kept watching. And then I kid you not, one night I saw a rat. Oh. So I'm like, oh, my God, I got a rat in living under my couch or something. So I kept putting food out there. My brother bought a trap. We put the trap out. And then two nights in a row. It would eat the food off the trap. Nothing would happen. So then I'm like, what the heck is going on? But then one night, the night before the Super Bowl, after I made a video, finally walking, about the Rams going to win it or predicting and everything, we caught the rat. Oh. And here's a picture of it. Ah, Mikey. On the floor. I know, I know. But 
Then I started thinking the Patriots, Patriots, they cheat, they steal, they lie, they take your food. <laughs> then I realized this was an omen that the Patriots were going to win the Super Bowl. Gross. So I should have picked the Patriots. I don't know. I just thought that was a very interesting time for me. I had a rat, a Patriot rat in my house. All right. Raider Nation, Raider Con is coming up Sunday, February 17, 2019 in, um, I forgot where it's at, the Puente Hills Mall in California. So you guys might want to make it an event. Here it is. Bo Jackson will be signing, Rich Gannon, and Tom Flores. And Raider Con is actually going to be three different events and dates. I will have more information in the coming videos, but here it is, RaiderCon, coming up Sunday, February 17th. Gannon, Bo Jackson, Flores signing autographs for a lot of money. So I hope you guys can afford it because I cannot. But check that out. There will be a lot of amazing Raider super fans out there, and go get your information. And real quickly, the next Mondays with Mike and Murph, uh, barring any setbacks, will be after the Combine. Uh, March 11th, 2019 at 4 p.m. It will be the Mondays with Mike and Murph monthly combine special. So there it is. Uh, we will get that to you shortly. And Murph, that was today's two-hour show. Oh, my goodness. Reunited, and it feels so good. Making love to you. It's like feeling wood. I don't know. I don't oh, know. I don't know the dude. lyrics of the song, Murph. First you call this you, gay, Murph. and now you're going feeling wood? Dude, what are you doing? I'm showing rats. I'm talking about feeling wood. I'm talking about doing cocaine. This has been oh a very interesting gosh. show. <laughs> Murph, it's been nothing but a pleasure to have you back on this channel. People thought I fired you. <laughs> Literally, like, some people say why'd you fire murph he was the best thing on your channel oh no i don't know about that but yeah thank no i've not been fired we've only been on a a mild hiatus and we'll get back to doing uh our shows at least monthly and so now thank you man it was great to great to get back here and uh, and do another mondays with mikey and murph you know the the show's a lot of fun man i i, I miss doing it and uh but i think it's right it's only it's only appropriate for us to only do it occasionally during the off season i think that the format of the show uh really lends to better episodes when we keep Keep it that way. So, uh, but but still, obviously, even that aside, glad to get back on here with you and and, and chat it up. And always a good time uh, hanging out with my buddy Mikey and uh, and talking about the Raiders. So, thank you for having me. Thank you for not firing yeah. me. Oh no, I I wouldn't fire you at all. Trust me. Uh, you do some great work, and I'm telling you, I'm proud of it. No, I just I also had some issues personally. Um, so I just need to take some time off and figure out my life. And it actually works out. There's not a lot of news coverage. And I don't want to force stories every week. And I just needed time to do a few other things. So we decided to make it a season, a weekly season show, and maybe do specials every month or so. And we, we might get together on different occasions and do a show as well, barring our, you know, timing and everything. But Mondays and Mike and Murph has become the flagship show of this channel, post lawyers and NFL drama. So I want to thank you, Murph for really helping me find positivity, create a show. I know you guys hear this every week, but I want to say it right now. If I didn't have this show, mentally, I might not have came out of my depression and a few other things. So thank you very much for being a part of this channel and bringing real stats, facts, 
and real good Raider Nation reporting to my channel and my show. And I hope it will continue, brother. Absolutely, man. You know it's going to continue. I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss it for the world, my friend. And like I said, always a good time to hang out here with you. And if that's, you know, look, if that, if the, this show is a vessel to help keep you upbeat and motivated, then you know what I mean. Then we'll we'll call that a job well done, man. Because that's what it's that's what it's all about, man. And you know what I mean is uh, sharing time together as Raider Nation and as fans, and and uh, whether that's just you and me or 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 the or the people that tune into us every every so often, man. We uh, that's what it's all about, man. So we are the best fan base in the world. You know, for those of you that don't realize that you probably don't need me to tell you that, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's the truth. We really are the best fans in the world. And it's and why, because it's just us, man, we got each other's back and it's everybody else. It literally is us against everybody, man. And so, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm with you, Mikey. And so glad to be here, man. And I'm glad the show provides that for you. And if that's enough motivation for me to come back every, every month for sure. And, and every week during the season. And real quickly, uh, Pirate1975 donated, and he wrote he, he wrote a, a prediction. He said, Murph will rap twice this year, guaranteed. I hope he's right. Uh, as soon as we beat the Chiefs, then I'll start, uh, I'll start my, uh, getting my flow on, right? Is that what the kids say now? Get, get, get my flow? Get your flow. I don't know what it, the flow. I don't know what it is. I, I would be, am I going to be the, uh, the rhinoceros or the hippopotamus? Oh, the, you know what? That's a rap term. The hip hop. It was from funny. Flight of the Concords. Yeah. The rhinoceros and the hip hopopotamus. Yeah. All right. During our month long break, tell the combine special. Let everybody know where they can find you on a weekly or daily basis. So first and foremost, check us out. YouTube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. That's M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave. Please like and subscribe us. We got some cool momentum going there. Not nearly to the levels of the legendary Mikey Raider, but uh, we do have some cool momentum going on there with our YouTube channel. So uh, we appreciate every like and subscribe there. And I've really had a lot of fun building a little community uh, there on our show when we do it live on Wednesday nights. So so please support us in that way. And then as far as the audio terms of our show, uh, you can find us on any podcast service. If you're on Apple, Stitcher, any of those, just search for Murph's Fan Cave. If you're on Android user, we have an app, uh, and so you can go to the Google Play Store and search for Murph's Fan Cave, M-U-R-F-S Fan Cave, and that will get you every show that we do, including Raiders Fan Radio, this show Mondays with Mikey and Murph, and the Fan Club Blitz, which is a fantastic Raiders Booster Club show that we put out every week as well. So thank you to all of you and your support of everything that we do at Murph's Fan Cave. So there it is, Raider Nation. You got plenty of outlets in these pre or these last couple years to get your Raider fix on, but we all know the two or three or four best outlets are all of us that are associated with this channel, whether it be Watch Raider, Raider Nation News, Murph's Fan Cave, or the Pillaging Podcast. All of you guys are amazing. There's no competition. It's all one love. And remember that this is not a competition being on YouTube or whatever platform. I love you all. I thank you all. And I need you all. Don't ever leave me. I'm Mikey Raider. This has been Mondays with Mike and Murph. And let's sing, sing the theme song and do your little thumb dance and get on out of here. Monday with Mikey Heath Murph. We talking Raiders and football dirt. Cause a new Raider talk show. We love you all. Thank you so. We are Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We'll see you on March 11th, y'all. This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. 
That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. Hey, I've got to tell you about a local career training program that's in your backyard and won't break the bank. Fast Forward at your local community college was created to match the needs of your area, meaning you'll train for open, available jobs. The moment you reach out, you get connected with a Fast Forward coach who can help you enroll in training that can lead to a job where you live. Grants and financial assistance available in most programs last 6 to 12 weeks. Learn more and connect with your local Fast Forward career coach at fastforwardva.org. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com. Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.